0: Are true believers, this is Head Speaks, a proud member of the Headcast Network family of shows. As usual, I am your host, Aaron Moss, aka Head. This is my mostly monthly Headcast, where I talk about comics, movies, role-playing games, TV shows, and anything else geeky that I want. So sit back and enjoy the ride. Let's begin. Welcome to our 37th episode of Head Speaks. Uh, not much preamble. We're going to get started with our show. Stay tuned. We've got a new segment to roll out a little bit later on. And uh, I just want to thank everyone that's joined in, everyone that listens, everyone that supports me, everyone that shares and reshares and retweets my uh, posts. Thank you guys very much. But let's go get started. Let's start with.
1: Beating bullets. In the great hall of the Justice League, Spider-Man and his amazing friends. The Justice League of America versus the Legion of Doom. This is What's in
0: Heads Long Box.
1: Dedicated to truth, justice, and peace
2: for all mankind. The world's greatest suit for friends.
0: And welcome to another segment of What's in Heads Long Box. I am continuing my multi episodic saga of the Armageddon 2001 crossover. Uh, so far, I've got him out on time, knock on wood, and I've had some great guests so far. Uh, that's going to change. Oh! Uh,
2: seriously, I...
0: <laughs> no, I, I'm going to do Just League America annual number five today, and I want to go to the one person that knows about Just League International, or Just League America, someone I love listening to on their podcast, someone that's, you know, that's a great podcaster, but Rob Kelly was a little busy, <laughs> he's got the restraining order, so I, I went to this other guy instead, the... Irreplaceable, uh, irredeemable, irredeemable,
1: irredeemable. Irrepressible shag. I see. I like to think that you're bringing up the level of uh, guest here because I mean, previously you've had you know Jared Albright and uh, Michael Bailey. I mean, you're really not setting the bar very high. Jack and Pat were fine, but those other two jokers, you got to be kidding me. So I, I feel like you know, really, this is becoming a little more a uh, caviar and champagne level episode. I think.
0: Probably, I don't care for caviar and champagne. So probably. <laughs> <laughs> You're all class, my friend, all class. No, I I kid, because I, I love Shag. Shag is one of the ones that got me – I, I listen to his Fire and Water podcast, and that's one of the things that got me into podcasting, got me doing half the shows I do. Uh,
1: just for legal reasons, this is the point where I have to state any problems you have with Aaron's shows are not actually a result of our fault. So we cannot be held liable for whatever experience you might have listening to Aaron shows. It's a legal thing I have to say. It, the lawyers make me. But anyway –
0: He's got the lawyers standing there in the corner talking to him, so I understand.
2: Yep.
0: Most people, when they deal with me, have to have lawyers involved, so <laughs> it's okay. I'm fine. <laughs> Especially with whole, the whole Just League Embassy issue we had here a while back oh, good. over on your Just League podcast. I understand the lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> For anyone curious about that, check out Shag's Just League Wahaha podcast, episode 13, where I made myself a guest.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, when no one I, else was available. So yeah, he came on to talk about the the crossover between Just Justice International and Suicide Squad, yes. which was some great comics and lousy podcasting. So,
0: <laughs> speaking of lousy podcasting, Shad, why don't you go ahead? Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to the, the audience? Let, you know, tell them who you are and. Give me your initial thoughts on Armageddon 2001. Absolutely.
1: Uh, My name is the Irredeemable Shag, and I am one of the co-founders of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, where we cover a ton of different shows about comic books and stuff. But we'll talk about all that later. But that's, that's basically who I am. Aaron and I have known each other for a long, long time, and I'm very excited to be part of this coverage because I was reading Armageddon 2001 as it came out. Uh, I was very excited about it. Each issue would come out. We'd all talk about it. We all had our speculations. Then, like everyone else in the world that you hear all the stories about, sure enough, word got to us about who supposedly Monarch was and how it had been leaked. Uh, I heard a different story about how it got leaked but uh, than, than the version you shared on a previous episode. But the bottom line was I still heard the same name everyone else did, uh, which was interesting because, you know, back then there was no Internet. How did this crap get around? You know, it's amazing.
0: Yeah, I heard the same thing. I don't remember where I heard it from. Because you I didn't have—I only had one friend I talked to comics about, and I'd go to a comic Let, shop. Let's be honest, yeah, there was no Barry, yeah,
1: You only had one friend, period. So probably
0: that's what I said. I was just make, classing it up a little bit, make it sound oh, okay. nicer. <laughs> <laughs> I had one friend that would talk. To, okay, I had one friend. You're right,
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I heard about it in a comic book shop, and it was just, you know, it's just, you know, guys staying around the comic, shop, guys, because back then, you know, sorry, ladies weren't coming around to the comic shops back then, We've come a long way, thankfully, but um, guys staying on talking on the comic book shop about who was, uh, who everyone thought it was, and then like, oh, I heard this, and it's been leaked, and we're like, really, and it's just amazing how that kind of stuff gets around.
0: Yes, I don't remember when I first heard it, but yeah, I, I do recall hearing that later on. What the
1: heck? And it's like Mikey and Pop Rocks, everybody heard it somehow. So, I was, I was very excited about Armageddon 2001. Uh, I, you know, each issue was like, you know, it's like, oh, wow, can't wait, can't wait, etc etc. I loved Dan Jurgens I liked, I loved the uh, introductory special. Some of the annuals were better than others, as you guys have been discussing. Uh, and uh, in the ending was, you know, same as everyone else. It was like, ugh, really? So, it was a big letdown. And then the subsequent two miniseries, Alien Agenda and Armageddon, uh, Inferno, uh, I, I Man, I can't remember. Are you planning to
0: cover those miniseries? You know, I haven't. I haven't decided yet. I'm, I'm back and forth on that. Part of me wants to just to be the completest that I am. But part of me is like, I read them, but I don't know. I don't. They're really bad. They have fond I mean, memories. They're really, really, I don't have fond memories. Yeah, they're really, really bad. So, um, <laughs> so I may cover them in one episode, maybe, or I don't know. I know. Yeah, I, I haven't decided
1: Well, yet. you could do one episode on Alien but Gen and one episode on Armageddon Inferno. And the only thing you really need to talk about Armageddon Inferno is they brought the JSA back, because so that's all that really mattered.
0: <laughs> that's the main thing. I remember the first one had the the two people going back in time, dinosaurs, mm-hmm. and then the Inferno. What I remember about that. The Return of the Justice Society. Right. That's all I remember about those. Two
1: <laughs> That's stories, all you really so. need to. <laughs> but those are my initial so thoughts yeah, on, on the on the on the crossover in general.
0: <laughs> right on. Well, let's go ahead and cover this one. So we've talked about we talked about the main issue. We have talked about the Superman annual. Then he went over and talked to Batman, and then he takes a little detour to the Justice League of America. Or Justice League America. There was no of at this time. This was after it turned out it was originally Justice League, then became Justice League International. And then not too long before this, I think, it became Justice like League America and Justice like League Europe. Oh,
1: it was a ways before this. Uh, oh, yeah, because they're, they're, they're already starting right around the Breakdowns era when this issue came out. Yeah, so, yeah.
0: I guess it was a couple of years.
1: Yeah, so it would be at least two or three years uh, since it had split between yeah. Justice like League America and Justice like League Europe. <laughs> so that's
0: why I've got you on here, someone that can correct me if I'm wrong.
1: It's not hard to do.
0: Now, usually, I have a wife to do that, but I've got to, hear to do that. So.
1: And you know what? I bet she has to do it all the time. Michelle's a pretty smart lady, so. I mean, other than her choice in men, yeah. but.
0: I was going to say, other than her choice in men, yeah, she, she is a rather smart woman. Uh, luckily for me, she doesn't, yeah, she doesn't have a good choice in men, so. <laughs> Let's quickly move on before I get in right. trouble. <laughs> We're here to talk about Just League America Annual Number Five. The cover date on this was 1991, but to buy this fresh off the newsstand, you had to be buying comics May the 28th of 1991. The cover price was $2, which back then was, wow, $2 for a comic book. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, oh, I wish you'd buy a comic for two Right. <laughs> the title is Tomorrow's Lead Today. The plotter is Keith Giffen. The scripter, J. Mark Demetheus. The penciler, sit back and hold on, there's a long list of pencilers. Steve Carr, Chris Sprouse, Derek Robertson, Marshall Rogers, Kevin McGuire, Dan Juergens, Joe Phillips, Ty Templeton. And Linda Medley. The inkers was Joe Jose F. Morrison Jr. Probably mispronounced that. <laughs> and Bruce D. Patterson. The letter was Bob Lappin. Colorist Gene D'Angelo. And editor, our good buddy, Andrew Heffler. The cover was done by Steve Carr and Joseph Rubenstein. And this was reprinted in the Just League America Annual No. 5. There was a variant cover.
1: I didn't know about that.
0: Yeah, I... Unless it was a reprint, I don't, See, I don't know why there was a very. Just, again, this all this information came from Mike's Amazing World of Comics. Well, that would be my
1: suspicion. Again, I got folks. I haven't researched this yet myself, but I would suspect it was probably a second printing, simply because Armageddon two thousand one was a pretty hot seller in the beginning, and so they right. were probably so. And so it would probably be a second printing, which would mean probably the same cover, but something would have been slightly different—a different color, or, you know, whatever.
0: Or sometimes got the Roman numerals on there.
1: If only there was some way to research this, if only there was some tool yeah. at our fingertips that would allow us to look this kind of information up, but that is lost to the ages, so we'll never know.
0: Yes, we'll never, ever know. Yeah. Uh, the story continues. The adventures of Wave Rider in a search for Monarch. He decides to visit the halls of the Justice League International, disguised as Captain Adam. There he finds the team standing vigil over Maxwell Lord, who was recently shot. After Elron, the first member he finds and touches is the Martian Manhunter. We find the Martian Manhunter is living at the top of some mountain as the Green Guru. A traveler spends his time searching out the Guru for answers to life. Contrary to The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the answer is Oreos, according to John. The man, upset by such an absurd answer, storms out. Back in modern day, Wave Rider is touched by Guy Gardner, where we find that in the future Guy becomes a religious leader. He's preparing to speak to his flock when he's accidentally bonked on the head. The newspaper reveals that Nice Guy finishes last. Next up, he touches Beetle, who finds has gained a little weight and lost his right to the Blue Beetle. It appears that he sold the Blue Beetle to get some extra fast cash, as they refuse to let him continue on as the Beetle. He tried another identity as the stupendous Silverfish, but was arrested for copyright infringement. To make ends meet, he's had to resort to being a bug spray salesman on TV. Wave Rider then touches Ice, who we find out has become a crazy cat lady. <laughs> She hears on TV that Guy has been hit on the head and has converted to nice, nice Guy. She runs out to find and finds him on a beach where they confess their love for each other. Next up, Wave Rider touches fire, who we find at a church where she's getting ready to watch Ice and Guy tie the knot. As her and Oberon talk about Ted Kord and what's happened with him, Oberon asks B to marry him. And this is when Ted decides to burst in, accusing B of destroying his life. After a little back and forth, we find out that B owns the company, that Ted sold his identity to. We see a newspaper of the headline, Ex-Superhero Arrested After Attempt on a Woman's Life.
1: All right, I'll, I'll take it from there. Back at the embassy, Wave Rider then touches Booster Gold. We find out, by the way, his real name is Michael, uh, that back in the future, on probation, he's working at the Space Museum as a janitor once again. He goes into the Hall of Heroes and finds an exhibit on his old friends, Batman, Superman, Hal Jordan, and Guy Gardner... He even finds an exhibit on Blue Beetle and himself as Booster Gold. He, his is rather sparse, and no one ever really knew who his real name was. Ted's is a bit worse, which sends Michael into a panic. He finds Maxwell Lord's exhibit and learns that he, ret- he retired to Kahui, 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 Kahui to become a beachcomber. He rushes to the time bubble and to find out it's locked down, of course. Meanwhile, we find Waverider as he touches Mr. Miracle, a.k.a. Scott Free. Scott and Shiloh, who is the new Mr. Miracle, are training a team of escape artists called the Miracle Squad. As Scott and his wife, Big Barda, are talking about the business and home life, Oberon comes in and informs them that Ted, a.k.a. Blue Beetle, was arrested, and he, Oberon, is engaged to B, a.k.a. Fire. It's a lot of names to keep track of, folks. While well, Scott is planning on how to break Ted out of prison and get him and Fire in the same room, Barda tells him to stay and keep training the team while she goes to deal with B. Wave rider then meets and touches General Glory. We find Max visiting the geriatric Joe Jones, the General's alter ego. Max is trying to talk Glory into helping him reform the JLI. The General refuses until Max brings up America, the flag, and apple pie. He recites his oath, and there on the bed stands General Glory. After Max convinces the UN to reinstate the league, General Glory holds his first meeting with the new league, consisting of Booster Gold, Blue Beetle, Ice, Aquaman, Guy Gardner, and two unidentified women, one of whom might just be Crimson Fox. The entire team are sporting the entire team, <laughs> I can't even say this. The entire team are sporting Ernie haircuts. Ernie being General Glory's old partner, aka Bucky, uh, and it's basically it's a haircut like Guy Gardner's. Um, after verifying that none of the uh, oh, so that's that's that future. Then, back in the present, after verifying that none of the League had become Monarch, Waverider decides to go visit Max in the hospital and check his future. In Max's future, he is relaxing on Kahui 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 until a metal box pops out of thin air, depositing the time travel Booster Gold. Booster convinces Max to return to the States to inform the League and get B to drop the charges against Ted. After a little talk and a little mind manipulation Max convinces Fire to drop the charges and sign over controlling interest of her company to Max back in the present day Waverider sees that his merging with Max has caused his condition to worsen finally we see a Waverider in disguise reading a newspaper saying Maxwell Lord is at death's door he flies off to continue his quest and the page uh, says continued in Hawk and Dove annual number two and Justice League Europe annual number two which really isn't quite—it's quite a ways away still that
0: one yeah All right. Very good. Thank you for helping me with that. That's a long recap, and like you said, a lot of different characters and different names.
1: 56 uh, pages. And this is really a different one, really, because, you know, you get all these little vignettes, and yet it's still all, you know, for each character, but it's still telling one big, long story.
0: Right. And that's one thing I like about this issue. But we'll get to that. First, let's look at the cover. The cover, in case you haven't seen it, we've got all the heroes of the Just League America standing over Maxwell Lord's bed, and they're looking back at us as we see... We can't really see what it is. We know it's Wave Rider standing there. We see his arm and part of his leg. We get the Armageddon 2001 banner across the top. And by the way,
1: if you happen to have the variant cover, which, again, I just miraculously remembered without using any sort of thing that starts with G and ends with Oogle, would be the same image except the background, which is sort of a pale green, would be silver, like the the metallic silver they used to use in the 80s. And uh, it would say, I have a little Roman numeral 2, and then on the corner box it would say silver series. A two thousand one, but that's just me guessing.
0: Very nice guess. Yes. <laughs> so, Mister Irredeemable, what are your thoughts on this this cover?
1: Man, oh man. Okay, I love me some Justice League. I've got a podcast dedicated to it, which is going to take me about six years to cover the entire Giffen Demonteus era. And there's some amazing art in that era. This is not some of it. Uh, so you, this is the part where you're supposed to go one to five, five would be a poster on your wall, all that. Okay, thanks. Well done. Good job doing your job. Oh, wait, I'm doing it for you. Anyway.
0: Well, I was waiting for you to finish describing your thoughts on it. If that's all you've got, I figured you had more thoughts. but you it's, know what?
1: It's, a, it's a major disappointment, man. Now, as far as the way it's constructed, as far as like, the layout, the layout's fine. You know, all the jailers uh there looking over Max, staring back at, obviously, Wayrider. And the cover does tell the story quite well, because, you know, Max is in the coma laying there. So... Composition-wise, it's fine. Artistic representations of the characters, not so much. So, what about you? What do you think of it?
0: So, uh, again, I, I agree with you for the most part. Like I I like Mister Miracle. In fact, that right-hand side, starting with Mister Miracle and working your way around, it goes from I think really good to. Eh, I like Mister Miracle. Booster not bad. Blue Beetle's is not bad. And then you start getting down below, you got. Ice looks like she's got a fat lip or something, and it just goes downhill from there. Well, so.
1: actually, yeah. Mister Miracle and and Martian Manhunter, I think, are probably the two best on the cover. I like the shadowing on Martian Manhunter's forehead. It's like it looks like uh, Wave Riders, you know, uh, emitting light, which is causing a shadow across his, his brow, which I kind of right. like.
2: Yeah, say about
0: that? It looks kind of I don't know. It looks kind of ET-ish to me. Oh, really? Okay. Well, a little bit. Fair <laughs>
1: enough. General Glory looks fine, but, you know, uh, him and Mr. Miracle and Marsh Manor are the ones I don't think the best. I, I don't like the way Beetle looks. Um, I don't like the way Fire looks. I mean, they really went out of their way to make sure they showed Fire's midriff and her breasts and turned to look back at the camera. I mean, it's like a, a backbreaking pose for her, uh, and it's still not that well rendered.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with that. I, I don't mind Blue Beetle, but yeah, I agree with Fire. Guy's got a odd. Kind of
1: drawing yeah, a lot.
2: Guy's, guys,
1: guys got like, like one, an eyelash stuck in his eye and, uh, and uh, something's wrong there. He's doing
0: impersonation of Popeye. Yeah,
1: right, know, right. So who, who do we have to
0: thank <laughs> for this cover?
1: Um, is it Chris Sprouse or is it this car guy?
0: Uh, again, uh, I didn't do a whole lot of research because I'm too lazy. Right. But But I, I say...
1: I'll find out in a second. I don't,
0: <laughs> uh, the pencil or the cover is... According to Mike's Amazing World of Comics, pit, was penciled by Steve Carr.
1: Okay, so Steve Carr did the...
0: Did, and inked by Joseph okay,
1: Rubinstein. The Rubinstein, I could guess, because the Slash R. That's his style. Uh, the C, I just wasn't sure if that was supposed to be the Chris Sprouse or the Carr. Okay, so okay. Carr... I, yeah, that was Chris Carr. What's that? Steve Carr. Oh, okay.
0: I was saying Chris Carr, but no, Steve
1: Carr. I'm, I'm not terribly familiar with Steve Carr. Um... Now, he did the framing and the bridging sequences through the issue as well. So
0: Yeah, so on a scale of one to five, one being total crap and five being something you want to hang on well, your wall. Well, look, walls. you just did your
1: job. Well done. Um, <laughs> my,
0: well, you know what? Someone's got to do
1: it. <laughs> yeah, I already did. Anyway, uh, <laughs> you man. You Are we allowed to do point something, or is it just straight the one through five?
0: You know what? Since you're one of my podcasting godfathers, I will allow you to do points. It's like a 2.3 like, which is
1: very specific, I realize. But 2.5 is like a halfway mark between 1 and 5. Right. I can't quite give it 2.5. It's not there for me. But it's just a little bit below that, so I'm going to say
0: 2.3. And you know what? I'm, I'm going to agree with you on that. Uh, I, w- I would give it a 2, just because like yeah, 2.5 is mid-level, and this is not mid-level. Uh, yeah, it's right below that, so I would give it a, a solid
1: 2. Yeah, yeah. The only reason it gets to point three is the composition's good. For Me.
0: <laughs> That's why I gave it two instead of one. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but moving on to the story itself. So, like you said, the whole thing's framed by Wave Rider interacting with the current heroes. So, let's go and start with this at the beginning with him, parent embassy and coming in as Captain Adam.
1: That's an interesting choice and, right there that he chose yes. to be Captain Adam. Um, Especially considering what
0: happens later on.
1: I don't know how much we're saying. I don't. I, I don't yeah. How much are
0: we saying? I'm trying to keep as possible, as spoiler free as possible. Fair. Well, so, it's it's fair to but... say
1: that Captain Atom plays an important role in the Armageddon 2001 saga during this story and afterwards. That's a fact. There's nothing deniable yes. about that. So the fact that he chose Captain Atom as a body, or at least the writers chose Captain Atom, is, is is quite an interesting choice. Now, can I just say something yeah, about the comic can... itself, real quick? Like, yeah, the physical on. comic, like, you know, I'm, I pulled it out of my out of my lawn box. Like, it's really, I mean, it's really, really in good condition. For a comic that's 27 years old, I guess, is that what we're looking at here? Um, yeah. It's it's like brand freaking new. I don't mean, like, you know, I, I bagged and boarded it really well. No, I just mean, like, the paper's really clean, the paper's still white, um, not just yellow or fake. It, the colors really pop. Like, I wonder if... I don't know, maybe it's just me. It just Maybe mine just did get preserved well, but it just seems like this. I could find this copy on the shelf today as a brand new comic. It's that well preserved. So it almost makes me think they put it on a better quality paper. It's got the square bound, you know, rather than um, a staple. It's a really nicely right. put-together
0: package. Yeah, it sounds like a digital, so I mine's buried in
1: my box over here. I haven't pulled out yet. Gotcha, okay. And, and I only pulled mine out because just my, my, my Justice League comics are very <laughs> handy, so I was able to... I'm able to get to those. So anyway, and just like, you know, the printing on these ads and stuff in here, like there's not a lot of bleed through it. Anyway, it just seems to be a higher quality paper. I'm just impressed. So,
0: And it very well could be. Cause again, this just league, this was during the just league's heyday mm-hmm. when they, you know, they had a dozen titles out. It wasn't this when they had a dozen titles. Well, pretty much, out? I mean, they had justice league, they, had, just
1: league. Right they had JLA, it? they had JLE, they had just League quarterly, you know, Mr. Miracle had his own book. Um,
0: did, was extreme out yet? No, did, no extreme right came much this? later. Um,
1: uh, Oh, which yeah. is something we should all forget about. Anyway, you should never mention that again. Um, I don't care. I don't. I, don't I knew you were going there. I don't care if firestorm was in or not. Speaking of which, and the water twin soda. Did you up. see the elemental Firestorm's going to
0: be in? Um, yes.
1: Whatever the, uh, the the doomsday clock.
0: Yes, I saw. I, saw, I think you yeah. posted it more than yeah. Mark. Someone posted it on your wall. One of that's the crazy.
1: So had nothing to uh, sorry. But yeah,
0: I saw that and I'm like, wow, that's that's really cool. That's because that's that's right after I got started in the yeah. comics. So that. And written by John Oshender, one of my favorites. Yep. So that holds a special place in my heart. So I am definitely curious about
1: that. So nothing to do with this. But though. we're not anyway.
0: here about Firestorm.
1: So, um, <laughs> I do love the the, framing, the, the the idea of the framing sequence, and as I mentioned earlier, using each character and showing not just everyone's different possible future, but one coherent future, which is really cool. I think that's really good. And to use different artists for each one. I mean, come on, man. We, we, we're bagging on the Steve Carr guy. But, you know, you got – what do we say? You know, uh, Kevin Maguire, right? Hold on, I got to get back up to your list here. Right. We get Kevin Maguire, who's you know, of course, started the, the book. We got Ty Templeton, who then took over after him. You've got Marshall freaking Rogers. Oh my gosh, amazing! You get Derek Robertson, who really was just beginning his career and would explode later. You got Chris Sprouse so, is going to explode.
0: Quick, quick question for you there, Shag. Maybe you know the answer to this. Is is freaking Marshall's actual middle it's, name?
1: Yeah, it is. Marshall freaking Rogers.
0: Because yes. uh, cause I hear you and I hear over on the uh, Dark Knight cast, Ryan and Chris talking about it. And, yeah, every time it's mentioned, it, it comes up frickin'. So i just wondering if that's on his birth to me. It's Marshall freaking Rogers well, or if that's just an honorary.
1: I think maybe it is honorary. Now, Norm freaking Brayfogle. <laughs> now, that is, in fact, his middle name. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, okay. so it might get a little. There might be a little bleed through there, but so Chris Sprouse, you know, De- uh, Derek Robinson, both of them getting ready to, to explode. You got Joe Phillips in here doing the Mister Miracle segment, which makes perfect sense because he was drawing the Mister Miracle book at the time. Get Dan right. Juergens doing some because you know he did the Armageddon two thousand one storyline. There, it's it's really like for for something that we were bagging on the cover. It's really the inside is pretty darn impressive.
0: Well, even the, and it's just that cover really because. Even the, the inter- inter- intermediary parts where uh, Steve Carr did the framing and all that, I've got no real problem with the framing yeah. of it, the, the artwork in that. Yeah, it's
2: pretty good.
0: It's just that cover; it's it's got problems with it. But yeah, the, the rest of the, the framing sequence that Steve did, I've got no problem with that artwork.
1: Oh, you know, one thing that your 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 thing didn't list there was Keith Giffen also did the breakdowns. Oh, so okay. which which would explain some of like. The, the panel layouts that are very consistent throughout the book would because that's, Keith did that to keep it very consistent, which makes sense. Okay. Right. Nice. Which might also explain this guy at the very end of the book that looks exactly like one of the guys that always shows up in the back of all Keith Giffen comics. But anyway, got the greasy and the sunglasses and the little mustache. Anyway.
0: No, so yeah, talking about the credits in the front, you know, Keith Giffen, Demetrius, Steve Carr, Jose Morzan Mar- Jr., Various other artists' credit as we go. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> so I, I love reading the, these credit boxes, especially like in the Just League time there. Right. Know, Kevin Dooley, Future Shock, Andy Heffler, Akronism. Yep. <laughs> I just love the, the little funny things have yep. in there.
1: So the Martian Manhunter one, um, where he's the green guru, is a little odd. It's kind of funny. It, it's a little throwaway, too, because it doesn't really tie into any of the rest of the story. But it's cute.
0: Yeah, and I, I could see John getting fed up with everything, just going meditating, and and I do like that he thinks that at this point he was big into Oreo cookies. This was before. I don't know what happened. I'm sure you probably do, and you'll probably comment at some point along your Just, just League podcast. But yeah, it started out him liking Oreos, and then it went to Chaco's, I believe.
1: Uh, somewhere in there, yeah. I think they probably just stopped wanting to use <laughs> no, a, you know, a, a real name is probably what it was.
0: That's what I was something that the, the, the writer said. You know, what, let's change that. Or if it was something Oreo said, you know, what? We, I don't, can you guys not do that?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. We have, they're <laughs> still calling him Oreos at this point, where I am in my coverage. I'll have to watch for that, and I can ask uh, Dimateus what he says. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, a good thought. Yeah, and here where he says, so
0: I you know, about. here
1: where he says life's like an Oreo cookie, I really kind of wanted to hear where that analogy was going because you know, the, guy, the guy cuts him off and says he's going to sue him and storms <laughs> out, and I'm thinking maybe John had something insightful to say with a weird, you know, weird sort of. Um, uh, analogy.
0: Right. Well, see, my my problem in quotes with this is with this guy, he tracks all the way through the the Himalayas or wherever it's at, you know, the cold mountains, hunts down this temple uh, to find out the secret life from some guy he doesn't even know. And then when he tells him, you know, he goes all this way, he spends how much money tracking this guy down, and then he doesn't like the answer, so he storms out, upset. He's like, seriously you're the one that tracked him down he didn't ask you to come see him
1: well, he strikes me as like a super rich dude probably who it, it, like he's him. making a big deal about all the effort he put into this but he's probably been, only been after this for like two weeks you know and he's like thinking oh I would all this effort how
0: dare you not be what I want
1: I'm gonna sue you that's kind of <laughs> how I read it like super entitled man
0: right but no, I, I agree with you I would have liked to seen John's explanation for that because you know, I, think, I, I could probably see that I mean I'm sure John could come up with a reason why lies like an ordeal. Yep.
1: Strauss's art looks <laughs> great, by the way. Uh, John just floating there uh, in his you know alien form just looks gorgeous. Did, Strauss did a great job.
0: Oh, no, I agree 100%. Yeah, that's – I love John's regular form. I remember the first time we saw it. Um, was that in the Martian Manhunter mini? Yeah, it was, was during
1: that? his miniseries, um, American – American Dreams or whatever it's called, the, the four issue mini series that came out about uh, the first during on the first year or two of JLi. Uh DeMatteis wrote it, Badger, Mark Badger drew it, and then they very quickly brought that same alien form over into the JLI comics.
0: Yeah, remember the first time saying, What the hell? Oh, that's that's interesting. Right, right. Yeah, and I agree with you. I like this first little story here with John. I say it doesn't tie in anything else. But it's just again, it's just John off on his own doing his own thing at this point. And again, after everything goes on, we'll find out eventually in your podcast with the Justice League. Yeah, I guess I don't blame them.
1: Well, yeah. Well, also, I
0: mean, that's <laughs> kind of a –
1: They used to do a lot of these future stories, whether they were Elseworlds or um, DC One Million and stuff like that, or or Legion of Superheroes. And and John always seemed to still be alive far in the future, and he always seemed to have become like either a hermit unto himself or joined with the planet Mars and was a living planet. I mean, all these different things. But John was always kind of like on his own is usually how this worked out. So it's it's not that surprising the The Guy Gardner segment of that I thought that was again by Derek Robertson uh, I thought that was a lot of fun I really really enjoyed that segment I cracked up quite a bit
0: oh very much so. Uh, I yeah, like the return of the old nice guy yep and it just I, I don't know how Guy would get a cult following <laughs>
1: but well um <laughs> I gotta tell you buddy in this day and age um, see this I'm not I'm not trying know, to get I, political folks I'm not. But <laughs> there is no denying that our president is uh, about creating he loves to create controversy true okay yes. yeah, i'm not true. saying bet for bad or for worse i don't want to get on that side of the argument i'm just saying he loves to create controversy which creates news which gets people talking and guy gardner's that same kind of you know strong ballsy personality and so i can see why guy would get a cult like this absolutely
0: yeah, now that you mentioned, I didn't think about that way, but you think about real-world politics and what the world like is like today. Yeah, you're right. So never mind. Strike my original objection. I guess I can see why <laughs> I would get this
1: big following. you just get used to saying you're right, Chuck. Um,
0: uh, yeah. What invite you on again?
1: Because I'm the smartest person <laughs> in the room. So uh, Derek Robertson, by the way, if, if you don't know who he is, uh, he he got real big and like uh I mean he did a lot of books that I enjoyed um like either way but what he's really probably best known for is things like Trans Trans Metropolitan and The Boys I mean just massive hits okay. that he really put his stamp on there and there's just no denying it um for me I'm I'm trying to see I in the back of my mind I'm thinking New Warriors was where I saw him yeah New Warriors okay yes uh, he did. Okay. A great run of new words, and that's where I first came across. It. I was like, Oh my god, this guy's amazing. And uh <laughs> you like that? That's my impersonation of myself.
0: <laughs> I like that. It was a very good impersonation.
1: Wow, I didn't know, here, now I'm embarrassed to say this. I didn't know that he did a run in Justice League
0: Europe. Hmm.
1: I guess I'll find that out soon. Oh. Okay. Huh. We well, ought to find
0: maybe I'll find a guy that does Justice League podcasts and him about
1: yeah. it. Yeah, I guess I should. <laughs> Mike Peacock, get on that, buddy. <laughs> oh, wait, that's the other Justice League, but <laughs> So anyway, great segment we got. I mean, he's totally a sleazeball. ball. I mean he's even like I mean here's how rude he is. He's telling this girl who works for him to uh, you know, pass the collect because they got this whole auditorium full of people. And he says, Pass the collection played around twice tonight. This hall didn't come cheap. And then he says, And I expect to see you at my place after the show where your little black I mean, the guy's a total and he gets knocked out. He's a total sleaze bag. He's, you know, having sex with his employees, you know, bleeding his constituency blind. And uh, he's a total dirtbag. So when him and Ice get back together later, it's sort of like, I don't know that she should really want to be with this guy. Regardless if he's nice now,
0: he was pretty dirt. That's specific. a different guy.
1: <laughs> no. She makes a whole point of saying he's both. You know, she makes this big true. compassion speech about how no guy, you were never just one or the other. You're both. There's sim- There's signs of both versions of you in each version, and I love all of them never mind the guy that likes to bang the girl that uh, dresses just like him and wears black lingerie, apparently.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, again, again, women, you know, they love who they love. and You know, even even the bad people have to have someone that loves them. So, I, But, yeah, the more you describe guys throughout here, I, I am seeing some real world... Real- alignments and it's making even more sense as we go through yep. here
1: now I do, I do love after he gets bonked on the head and he gets up there and gives all this nice guy stuff there's a really cool full page splash that says the Daily Planet it's like the, it's supposed to be the headline the front page of the Daily Planet you know nice guy finishes last crowd rises cult idol changes tune it's a really neat effective way to con- convey a message in a full page splash
0: very much so and uh, going back a page when after he gets bonked on the head and he sits up and the gal he was hitting on earlier says, wait he's not dead the guy behind him too bad he would have made a great
2: Right. <laughs> <laughs> Good <laughs> I stuff. I just
0: love that line. It cracks me up every time I read it.
2: Yep,
1: and he's got all of his employees dressed like him in his, you know, his green lantern uniform too. Yes. By the way, so so that was a fun segment.
0: Yeah, of course I, I like that. It. Yeah, it was I, I really enjoyed the segment. Um, like I see yeah, the art was great, and I, I, you know, this was classic guy who is the up- utmost guy-ness as he can be at this point. I mean, he's very, like you say he's past the collection plate around. Who's the guy? Who's the guy who's got millions of people wanting to walk, talk, and act just like him? You're the guy, sir. Damn right, I'm the guy. I'm the guy. Yep. He's just so full of himself.
1: Well, it, it's a different version because every version of guy that they've done really is uh, a guy in the well, the sleazy guy is a guy, a version that everybody hates. No one likes him. So right. really, it's a very different dynamic here, where he's got a you know a, a room full of people. So interesting. Huh. So yeah, then I guess the Blue, the blue Beetle segment. Um, Marshall Rogers. Now I don't know whether you know this is pretty far along in Marshall Rogers' career, and I don't know much about Bruce Patterson as an inker. I've certainly seen Bruce Patterson a lot inking stuff, but I, I I'm not terribly familiar with it. I guess it's still good. But it's not what I expected from Marshall Rogers. They're like If you look at his classic Batman stuff, this just knocks your socks off. This stuff's good, but it's not like, wow. So, again, I don't know if it was because Marshall in the later years or Bruce's inking didn't help at any. I'm not sure. But I mean, it's fine. There's nothing terrible about it. It just didn't grab me as much.
0: Or I wonder, along those same thoughts, if maybe he this was something he went for because it's not supposed to be – Batman, oh wow, this is fantastic, it's, it's oh, Blue Beetle, No, oh, he's retired, oh, he's fat, he's bald, he's, or bald. Yeah. Uh, so I've got to wonder if, if it's uh, the drawing style he was doing at the time, or if it was a conscious decision to tone down his normal, well, he said great, you know, art. say this isn't bad, but yeah, it's not what he normally does, so I just have to wonder if this was a conscious decision, or just the way he's gotten to this point in his life. It could
1: be. Um, I do think the uh, what, what is it the stupendous silverfish? I think that's that costume is yes. hysterical. That is so funny.
0: Yeah, yeah. And like he said, he was in here. He says that that you know the whole spandex doesn't really work that well when you're overweight, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I love the part where yeah, they're just walking him off in handcuffs. And just what the heck?
1: Poor Ted. Very sad future for Ted. Makes me very sad.
0: Yes. It, well, it could be worse. I mean, it's not like someone shot him in the head. Oh, uh,
1: sadly, as much as I usually pretend that never happened, we are going to talk about that in a minute.
0: <laughs>
1: I, have, I, have reason, I have my yeah, reasons.
0: I, I'm sure you do. Uh, but I, I do like, you know, Ted, you know, he, he's retired. Unwantingly, so he's, he's, you know, gained a bit of weight. He, he's losing his hair. You don't normally see that with a superhero. So I, I do like, well, this isn't the first time he's, he's gained weight. I know that... If I'm not mistaken, when he showed up, I keep, wasn't he retired tired or something? He showed up in the Robin series. I think he gained some weight. If I'm not mistaken, well,
1: he, he well uh, it starts even earlier. It's actually in JLI is uh, really yep JLI? during okay. Giffen and Dematteis he gains weight, and I can't remember if it was right before this annual or right after this annual. But uh, he gains weight, and then him and, and Guy actually have a boxing ish, uh, issue where they fight each other because Guy's been God, making so much that. fun of him for his weight. Right. Um, and then, uh, and then you're right. Yeah. Later on in the Robin and birds of Prey series, he shows up again. He's not terribly overweight in those, but he's Ill, a little bit and he's got a heart condition. And so he can't really go out and be the blue beetle that he wants to be. In fact, uh, not a lot of people know this. Chuck Dixon wanted at one point, Tim Drake to become blue beetle, to become the next blue beetle. I, think
0: I heard that somewhere. Maybe it was your podcast. I'm not sure now. I've heard that somewhere.
1: Uh, it might, I don't know. I don't know all the details of it, but I find that fascinating when I heard that. Um, so uh, anyway, so the whole you know here, here's the thought for you though. So I, I'm assuming you've read Watchmen, correct? Oh yes. So uh, and I assume you know how Watchmen came to be, where Alan Moore based yes. those characters mm-hmm. on the Charlton characters. So the Night Owl, if I'm if I'm getting my name right, yeah, Night Owl. Uh, Night Owl yeah. is a sort of uh, analog for Blue Beetle. So in Watchmen, which came out in 1985 or 1987, uh, Night Owl. Got older and gained weight right. and was overweight, and so here it's like a snake eating its own tail, you know, because because Night Owl is based on Blue Beetle, well Night Owl got fat and overweight and you know out of shape, and then now Blue Beetle gets fat and overweight and out of shape. It's like oh wait, it's 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 a cycle into itself. It's sort of like Rorschach in Question, you know, the question was the basis for Rorschach. Well then later on when the question comes back, they based a lot of the question on Rorschach again. Snake eating its own tail yeah. over and over.
0: Yeah, it's comics for right? right,
1: now. right? And it's, it's very Alan Moore that something like that happened anyway, too, because it just seems like something that, you know, even though he's probably mad about it, it seems like something he would have constructed, though, this whole crazy loop.
0: Yeah. He's mad about everything. Sure. but And also you can tell, part of uh, Ted's depression, I guess, is his sadness. If you, that scene where he's digging the refrigerator, he's got, a, barely see, he's got a sink full of dishes, trash on the floor. He's not taking very good care of himself at this point.
1: Yeah, basically it looks like what Aaron's apartment would look like if Michelle left him. That's what I'm, what I'm envisioning. Oh, wait. Was that out loud? Oh, crap.
2: It was true, too. So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, let's all help
1: yes, r- everyone sake that never
0: happens. <laughs> if I didn't shave my head, I'd be bowling. Right. So, yeah. I, yeah, that's all I'm missing.
1: Well, let's move forward to some gorgeous, gorgeous art that's by Kevin sad. McGuire. I love Kevin McGuire. So good on the ice segment, and you were writing your description. Sadly, she does become a crazy cat lady.
0: <laughs> sadly, I mean, I, I like ice. Ice is a, you know a beautiful woman, or as some other podcaster I listen to says, she's hot.
1: That guy's a sexist pig.
0: He is. I think it's why I admire him so much. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but he was a crazy cat lady. She's still a very attractive young oh, yeah, lady. Very pretty. Yep. But but you know, as soon as years ago, you know, guy got hit in the head and. On him. He needs me. After all these years he needs me. Right. And uh, while well, I like this story, I've got looking at like I said it's the time I didn't really think about it, but looking back at it now, I've got some problems with the fact that she seems so dependent yeah, on him.
1: Yeah, it really isn't healthy. Yeah. I mean, she she um, lives yeah, alone, she became a, 30, she became a cat lady yeah. and yeah, she's just waiting for her man to need her.
0: In thirty years ago I didn't think about this, but yeah, looking at being a forty eight year old got a daughter and 10-year-old daughter. I guess it's just changed you because yeah, I'm looking at it now I'm like, wow, that's it's kind of for being a great character in my opinion. It's, it's kind of a disservice to her that and they're doing it for the laughs and just for the humor aspect is my guess, but it doesn't paint her in a good light.
1: So here's the stupid thing. Like, the exact same thoughts went through my head, which is a little terrifying that I thought anything similar to you because that scares me. But uh, so the same thought went through my head. And you know what, like, the one redeeming thing happened? Like, um, on the second page of her story, she's running out of the house. She's just put on an outfit and she's running, you know, she's running out of the house to go meet Guy, right? She runs past her mailbox and the flag is up on her mailbox. So that. <laughs> I want to. That just I. I developed a whole storyline in my head from that flag being up on her mailbox. Where I'm like, well, wait a minute. Maybe she has a life. Maybe she's got some friends that she writes to every day, and she has this great correspondence back and forth. You know, in pre-internet days, So she's writing letters and she has a bunch of friends. I'm like, where am I going with this? What the hell? It's <laughs> all it was. Is Kevin McGuire drew the flag up on her mailbox? You know, but um, okay.
0: And to show the difference between me and you, I'm a cynical old man. You say she's got a lot of friends. She's writing to. She you know keeping correspondence. You know what I'm
1: thinking? She's mailing out some
0: bills. Yeah, that's probably
1: true. That's, that's that probably true. Or, or redeeming some, uh, you know, rebate for cat food. But I was uh, I was desperate to try <laughs> and, you know, not make her character, you know, the the, the weaker character because we don't, we don't want that advice. Now, she always was a more reserved personality, but she was still an independent woman. You know, I mean, it's – I don't know. It, it is sad to see the way that, that her future would have turned out. Yes.
0: Though, so, you know what? Again, I haven't really thought too much about this because I haven't read these comics in years. But, I mean, she did have kind of, if I remember correctly, she did have some sort of dependent relationship with B, it seemed to a little bit. So maybe it's just something they're exploring even further. I, I don't know. Well, they,
1: they, they, it could be. And, and they didn't do a lot of service to her after Giffen and Damon left either. They spent this whole era where she had a crush on Superman, too. I mean, it's like they, right. they, they, they just didn't know what to do. With a character, with a, a female character who wasn't just all saucy and, and smart mouth. You know, right. they couldn't do a. I, I don't want to use the word shy, that's not quite fair. But uh, a reserved is probably the word, yeah, I guess. A more reserved character could still be a strong person and yet be more, you know, not out in everybody's face. More introverted. There we go. So Right.
0: Though, though in the writer's defense, at least in 10 years, she's still alive. That's true. That's true. A lot of people
1: <laughs> would have put her in a fridge. Good point. Especially in the 90s. So.
0: Yeah, well, I'm thinking
1: about what actually happens to ice in the Just League title. Oh, yeah, good point. Well, well, that's where I was. Well, wait, she was uh, dead. But then, so this is Armageddon 2001. So this is the year 2001, and no, she was still dead. She didn't come back till like 2003 or 2004. I want to say. Yeah. So I believe that's yeah right before uh, Infinity Infinity Crisis or Infinite Crisis when I think she came back. So yeah, okay. And then uh, then you get this great page where. where Waverider is thinking to himself about fire, this cracks me up, where uh, he's thinking about fire and it's a butt shot too, ladies and gentlemen. too. So you're seeing a butt shot of fire and she's also turned to the side so you can see her breasticles too. And he says, she's so beautiful. I think of all the women heroes I've studied, I've dot 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 admired her the most. <laughs>
0: That's not what he was Little creeper,
1: little <laughs> creeper mode there, buddy.
0: Yeah. I think maybe Waverider's just sending to mine. That's the story entirely. Yep,
1: yep, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so fire and oh oh Derek Robertson again. Uh, fire and Oberon getting married. That's interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that's an unnatural pairing. Well, yeah. oh, not unnatural. That's probably the wrong word. But well,
1: it's been building. All pairing the time. you'd think.
0: Of. Not a pairing you'd think of.
1: So the part that threw me at first, and it, it threw me. I've read the comic both times, twice now, getting ready for this podcast. Uh, when Blue Beetle or Ted comes barging into the wedding, uh, it, not not over on and fire, but it's it's Ice and Guy. Right. He comes barging in and yells fire. It didn't process to me that he was coming in to yell at B. To me, I'm thinking, oh, someone just ran into a a, a you know a public building and yelled fire, which is you know which they, would have been a great joke to play off of too.
0: So I didn't even catch that. Okay, I I thought, I, I thought it was Ted yelling at fire. I didn't really, I didn't even think about that concept of it, which would have been, yeah, would have been
1: right. Should have had a bunch of people stampeding out or something like that. Yeah,
0: yeah, I didn't even think about that, but yeah, you're right. Nope. Huh. Yeah, I do like the segment where he's blaming B for his entire problem. When well, a lot of it comes on to his own self, his own want to get rich quick schemes and. So I think they both – personally, I think they both have a hand in, in Ted's downfall, if you will. It's a clever plot
1: twist, though, because earlier we saw Ted's downfall where he sold the license to the Blue Beetle franchise. And then we find out in Fire Story that, like, oh, he, he sold it to her and didn't even know. Right. He sold, you know, sold it to a shell company that she was I – mean, she was basically stabbing her own teammates in the back.
0: Yeah. But then you look at like, said She says here, you know, it was, the contract was playing his day. Fun one one get rich quick scheme. So, again, it's kind of a who do you believe? Is it, you know, fire right that, you know, was clearly laid out and it's all Ted's fault? Or more like what you were saying, how it's a shell company and she was kind of doing it, kind of stabbing in the back? I,
1: I think it was what she meant by it was all laid out, meaning the rights he was going to lose. I think it was still pretty secret about who it was. Like, it, you know, if you were to make a, if, if the Headcast Network were to make a bid to buy the right. Fire and Water Podcast Network, uh, I, I think. If I found out, you know, it was a shell company who bought us, and then I found out it was you, you know, and and it screwed me over, I'd be pretty pissed. I'd be like, dude, what the hell, you know? So yeah, I I don't blame Ted in this one. Now it's Ted's own fault for not being able to buy the franchise back, or being able to license it out, or whatever. You know, he did, of course, his get rich quick scheme, which fell on his face. But uh, yeah, yeah, Fire probably should have been a little more upfront and told him it was her company.
0: Give me just a second. I call my lawyer real quick and cancel some plans I got going on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it only costs like a Klondike <laughs> bar. Don't worry we don't have we don't have any we don't have a lot of morals. <laughs> that's not what we're looking for. We don't have a lot of uh, self worth. How's that?
0: Oh, morals too. That, that's
1: that's true. It's a different subject altogether, really.
0: <laughs> yeah. And again, another another headline. Ex superhero arrested after attempt on model's life. Yep. And will be let letdown because, again, not quite the, the splash page it was with Guy getting bonked, but still another front page. Just like he's really helping the Daily Planet sell the new page. Right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Then we get Dan Jurgens drawing the Booster Gold segment, which is great because, you know, you know his Booster Gold's his character. I love seeing the Space Museum. I'm a huge, huge fan of the Space Museum. I love that whole idea from the old uh, Mystery in Space comics. Very cool. There's a funny gag in here that I didn't get the first time I read uh, where Booster is running through the hall looking at all the different characters. And uh, he's reading them out. He's going, OK, Dr. Faye, Green Arrow, Creature Commandos, Captain uh, Martian Manhunter. Creature Commandos with a question, <laughs> and I, I didn't get the gag there. Creature Commandos were created by JMD Mateus, oh,
2: so okay. that's
1: why he slipped it in there because he wrote the script. Which I thought, oh, that's pretty clever.
0: Yeah, I didn't realize he created them, so that very much explains yep. that.
1: So super fun. Um,
0: yeah, I just I just thought it was I just thought it was a jab at Creature Commandos, but oh, <laughs> well, it probably was
1: a little bit of both. Really, it really was. So.
0: Yep. <laughs>
1: So the time travel stuff it was was cute here, but uh, and I like that they took the time to draw Tim Drake. That made me happy. That means that Damien's not remembered in the future, and Tim Drake is. That that makes me very happy.
0: Maybe in the future, in the future there was no Damien. Oh, that'd be lovely. Maybe it's Wave, Rider, Wave Rider's fault. That no, I'm not going to get on that part. <laughs> I, I really dislike Damien. I hated him for many,
1: many, 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 many years. I'm still not a huge fan of his. However, I really enjoy the, the, the current uh, post-rebirth Teen Titans comics, and the Super Sons comics, both of which he's in.
0: And I just enjoy the hell out of those comics. I like them. See, to me, it's kind of like uh, Shia LaBeouf or um, James Franco. I like things that they're in, but not because they're in.
1: Well, I can't stand James. I can understand what you're saying there.
0: (laughs) I said that Wizard of Oz movie. I, I enjoyed that movie. But I don't care for him. I, I, but that's another story entirely. So to me, that's kind of how Damien is. I, I enjoy Super Sons. I would like it better if it wasn't Damien. Well, it works. But then I just view Super Son.
1: Well, I like it because like it makes me root for Jonathan that much more because you know it's like <laughs> get that little crap,
0: get him. <laughs> right. Yeah. I just yeah. I just I enjoy Super Sons mostly. It's just yeah. The, whenever it gets to Damien, though, I, I just he's just too annoying for me. He's too know it all. Too. I don't know, he's he's worse than uh, Jason Todd. Well, sure, yeah. (laughs) In fact, I'm hoping I'm going to start a letter campaign game to bring back the 900. Oh, goodness.
1: Well, apparently we're, you know, there's a storyline coming up, apparently. I don't know when it's coming out in comparison to this, but apparently there's going to be a a story in Batman where maybe we find out that uh, Deathstroke might actually be Damien's dad instead of Bruce Wayne. That would be interesting.
0: I know they just started that Deathstroke Batman crossover. Okay.
1: It could just be a feint as well to, you know, just get people to buy the book. So,
0: so I wouldn't mind that. Move him over to Deathstroke. But I'm doing the Deathstroke book, sort of. But that's another story entirely. Anyway, moving <laughs> on with the Justice League International.
1: Then we get it. Into... Do,
0: oh, like, I, I do like I do like the fact that, you know, they learned their lesson and they locked the time bubble down. Seeing how that's how, flashback to how Booster got back to the, the uh, yep. present? Yep. Past? Originally. <laughs> By stealing a time bubble, like, oh, I was going to steal a time bubble. Oh, it's a Yep. It's like, yeah, they're not stupid. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, then we jump forward to the Mr. Miracle segment drawn by Joe Phillips, which I love this segment. I think this is actually my favorite segment in the book. This one and the Guy Gardner, I think, are the two best. This one's my favorite, personally. Uh, I love seeing Joe Phillips. Joe drew, drew the Mr. Miracle book when I was reading it. Really enjoy that. I love the idea of the Miracle Squad, because Shiloh, did, did, you, did you read the old
0: Mr. Miracle book? Yes. I wasn't a big fan of Shiloh. Really? Yeah, he was all right. Just Again, it's one of those where I really love Scott Free. So seeing someone else come and take over the mantle, I just didn't care for him as much. Same way with Blue Beetle. I really love Ted Kord. So I can't get as behind Jaime Reyes because, again, my love is for Ted Kord. So I think it's it's not that Shadow was a bad character. It's just I'm more of a fan of Scott Free, Mr. Miracle. Yeah. I, I
1: agree with you on that. I think that always did run me wrong that I didn't like the idea that Scott was giving up the identity. But the fact was the way that series went, Shiloh was always the Mr. Miracle Apprentice. He never really became the Mr. Miracle because because right. it was always still – uh, Scott Free and Barda, and which was just so much fun. So I, I love this whole thing here that he's he's expanded, and this is a very logical extension of that too, where he's expanded from oh, so. Shiloh to the whole miracle squad and everyone has a slightly different costume, you know, which is really nice. it's a nice touch. so and, and of course I love anything with Barda is freaking hysterical. You know, she's got this great line about how you know how she's doing all these multiple things. she says, well we're, you know even though I may look the part, you know I'm not Superwoman, you know there's stupid right. here. <laughs> Uh, and there's this whole funny back-and-forth thing about where Scott's gonna break, wants to break Blue Beetle out of jail, and he, he has all these ridiculous scheme upon scheme upon scheme, and she just keeps shooting him down. It's hilarious.
0: Go home, let me handle it. But let me do this. With, no, go home, let me handle yep. it.
1: Too funny. Too funny. Well,
0: going back a step, when uh, Scott was talking, he was introducing Shiloh. <laughs> I like, let Shiloh stand as an example, people. As extraordinary as he is now, huh? Extraordinary. It was once the worst excuse for an escape artist world has ever seen? Right, the worst excuse Hey. <laughs> <laughs> to me, that's very much given D Mateus humor. Yeah.
1: That's it. That's Demateus' magic and scripting, absolutely.
0: So it's just fantastic.
1: Yep. <laughs> Doug this one that's again probably my favorite segment. And then we get into who do we get next? Oh, General Glory. The
0: General Glory one.
1: And uh, drawn by Ty Templeton, hot dog. Love Mason. some
0: like I said, he was for sort of the Justice League book. Didn't he draw the Batman Adventures? I uh,
1: well, I, it, if I remember scene? correctly, and I may have this a little wrong, but I want to say it was Mike Parabek and Ty Templeton would switch off uh, because okay. both of them had this wonderful style, you had this very you know animated series kind of style. So I want to say it was both uh, Parabek and Templeton, but just fantastic artists, great artists. I love the face here on Joe, like in the first page in the bottom panel, where he's just kind of like got a uh, you know crap-eating grin. He's like, <laughs> <Just> love that.
0: <laughs> hey, go ahead and pile it on. I'm not buying yep. it.
1: In <laughs> the way Max just totally plays him with all the American patriotism and stuff is so funny. You can just hear you know the the, the anthem coming up behind him, you know, playing behind Max. So good.
0: Yeah. He jumps up. Joe jumps up on the bed. Liberty, here my please stand there like a crazy old man in his his hospital gown standing on his bed. <laughs> and then he transforms into General Glory. It's just a great page.
1: And if you're not familiar with General Glory, and you, you, good chance a lot of people aren't unless they read this era, he, he's kind of like a Captain yeah. America analog where he's all pro patriotism and stuff like that. Except in this case, uh, there's a little bit of Shazam that goes on because he's transforming from a regular guy into this amazing hulking body and then the third part is he's sort of like an out-of-step grandpa who doesn't know when his stories are going on too long and tells stories that are sort of meandering and that are interesting to him about the old days.
0: <laughs> Very so much so. Yeah.
1: It's a fun character. Now, did you did you notice this little tw- uh, quirk? I, di- I didn't notice it until the second time around. You mentioned that Maxwell Lord convinces the UN to reinstate the Justice League. You said that in your recap. Right. Actually, I don't think that's what happened. Because if you look at it, Max is giving a speech, right? Everybody looks right. bored. Everyone looks like they in that panel, um, bottom left panel, like one guy's got his fingers on his face, like one woman's like scratching her ear or something. One guy's coughing or yawning. Like they're not paying any attention to him. The minute General Glory says, all he says is "Hi, folks." General Glory says "Hi, folks," and suddenly everyone is applauding and cheering and screaming. I think it's General Glory that everyone got excited about, not Max's
0: speech. You know, you're, you're, you're right. Now that I'm looking at it again, i you was know, re-looking what I wrote in my recap on it, because...
1: Oh, you
2: said Marely
0: I, I was paying attention. Yeah. I listened to you. Well, one was needs to, <laughs> But yeah, no, it, it yeah, probably is more... And see, part of the reason I said I, I gave Max the credit for it, because I said he's the one that brought General Glory into it, and, he, well, you know, they bought it. It just, to me, it seems, even though, yeah, General Glory was the reason they bought into it, I still give Max the credit because he's one that got he knew he had to have General Glory to do it. Yeah, I don't think his speech really looking at anything to do with the actual. Because like you say they're they're falling asleep in the speech. Yeah. I mean, the speech is good; <laughs> it's,
1: it's well written, but the art <laughs> demonstrates that everyone's bored. So it, it's almost like you know, once General Glory shows up, everyone's like, "Okay, let's do this." So I don't know. Maybe that's one of his powers. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then it leads into everybody with the Ernie haircuts. Oh my goodness! <laughs> and
0: as I talked about in the re- we talked about in the recap, yeah, the Ernie is is the DC's version of Bucky, if
1: right? You will. So, all right, so you're thinking that one's Crimson Fox, something. So again, we've got Booster Beetle, and Beetle's back in his Beetle costume, but he's overweight. You got Fire, uh, you got I'm sorry, not Fire, you got Ice Guy Gardner, Aquaman, and then these two um, female characters that we don't know. Now the one in purple. It's bugging the heck out of me. Like, I know that costume. Is it like Amethyst maybe or something? Or, is that See, Amethyst is a Right, I know, man. I know. But that purple costume just looks so familiar okay. to me, and I
0: can't place it. Same way, yeah. That looks like Crips and, Fo- Crips and Fox outfit, I believe, across from her, but I'm not 100% positive on well, it. Well,
1: could very well be. I mean, it's, it is funny. This is sort of a, a typical thing, especially of this era, well, in comics in general. Like, whenever you project to the future, the same people are on the team. This is 10 years later. Yeah, folks, by 2001, you know, the, the Justice League International era had added a million more members. <laughs> that whole entire era collapsed. Um, in fact, you, and, and then you got, uh, what is it, Justice League, um, you got JLA from Graham Morrison, right? So you get – by that right. point, by 2001, you've got Graham Morrison's JLA, which is like, wow, this is amazing. And oh we, even Extreme uh, Justice was gone by this point. Anyway, so 2001, you had Graham Morrison's Justice League, which may have been written by Mark Wade at that point. But either way, completely different setup. And yet here, they're trying to say basically, well, you know, 10 years from now, the League will basically be the same. We'll throw an Aquaman. What the hell? And two people no. – <laughs> Well,
0: so, me and, me and uh, John talked about the detective or Batman uh, annual, and like, me and Mike – Talked about in the Just League, Daniel. Yeah, it was pretty much the same thing. Yeah, the writers, when they projected 10 years in the future, yeah, things were pretty much the same as they were now as far as looks. Mm -hmm.
1: Yep, yep. (laughs) Now, um, here's the interesting thing. Okay, so we talked about 2001, right? Okay, so right.
2: We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Hey, listeners,
0: this is Aaron from the future, the past, something. Um, I'm, this is me. So while editing this, I decided to take that page that me and Shag was talking about with the two mysterious women, and I threw it up on the Unite DC Comics Project group that I'm on, because I knew that if anyone would have the answers, my buddies over there would. So I threw it up, and I would say less than a day later, yeah, it was the next morning, uh, my buddy, Lawrence Lee, from over there. Lawrence Lee, he told us who it was. He said it was from Booster's Group, The Conglomerate. It was uh, a couple characters known as Echo and Vapor. I know I read those comics with The conglomerate in it. It was like in the Just League Quarterly and some other books. But, yeah, I couldn't remember them for the life of me. But, yeah, thank you, Lawrence Lee. So, yeah, those two females, I thought maybe one of them might have been Crimson Fox. And the one that the caution that Shag recognized but didn't know. Uh, Again, that was Echo and Vapor. Once again, thank you very much, Lawrence Lee, for uh, giving us that information. I knew that one of you smart people there on the Unite DC Comics project would have the answer. All right, I'm done talking for now. I'm going to go ahead and send this back to Past Aaron and Past Shag.
1: Because the more you know. So, 2001, Graham Morrison, Justice League, etc., etc., etc. But... By 2005, maybe 2006, maybe even maybe as late as 2008. I don't know. This crew was actually back together uh, in Justice League: Generation Lost. You know, uh, this is not exact crew, but a team similar to this was in Generation Lost, a, a big miniseries where the Justice League right. was back together. That's not even counting the formerly known as the Justice League, and I can't believe it's not the Justice League. So this group does get back together, actually, ironically, just without the haircuts. So to some extent they were kind of right about the future, which is crazy to think that.
0: Well, I do like on this page here where we're talking about, there's something about, you know, we could have done without the Ernie haircuts, and guys like Ernie haircuts? Oh, they guy Gardner haircuts. Right. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's probably still the nice guy, but yeah, even then he's, he's still – thinking about himself. Yeah, well,
1: he's reading a macrame <laughs> made easy in Home and Garden magazine. So yeah, um, and that's something that revealed later Justice League issues was yeah, the Guy Gardner's signature haircut was a tribute to Ernie, which was uh, General Glory sidekick, which is a funny retcon.
0: So do you, do you recall at this point had they announced it? Had they done that issue by this point?
1: I'm sure they must have. I think that I think the Ernie stuff. This... I think the Ernie stuff was right in the earliest parts of the General Glory story. I think.
0: Okay, I can't. It's been. Twenty-three years since I read those. Long
1: I can't time. Remember now
0: yep. <laughs> I haven't read those since they first came out. I can't remember exactly time fr- time frame wise when it happened. Right.
1: So I will, will. I'll find out in a few years on my on my podcast. Right now, I don't have that answer.
0: <laughs> so you don't know that those two, for sure, No. Again, the one in purple.
1: So, I, I'm. I, I know I know that costume. I just can't place it. Although I, it, it, it could just be something similar, but it just looks very, very much like something. Uh, the other one I have no idea, but Crimson Fox is a darn good guess on that one.
0: Well, She's not speaking, so we can't say she has a horrible French accent.
1: Right. Not, so. <laughs> and they may have just been created just for fun as well, so you never know.
0: It's possible. But yeah, I agree with you. That, that pink-purple shot for whatever does look a little familiar. I just can't place who it is.
1: Right. And again, I might be thinking of a, for all I know, I might be thinking of a Marvel character. I'm not sure. <laughs> so.
0: Moving our story along, we get Rider visiting Max at the
1: hospital. Yep. We get that segment drawn by uh, Linda Medley, who I don't know, but it's a cute segment with him on Kahui Kahui Kahui. Now, here's here's the interesting thing. This is the part that's out of order because every other story here has been in basically chronological order. But here, Booster and Max together to go back and, and get to fire – so basically, what this is saying is this: this story must take place before the General Glory one, because then then Max right. and General Glory put the JLA back to JLI back together. So this one must take place before that.
0: Yeah, yeah, very much.
1: so. Now touching Max to figure out whether Max is the evil monarch. You know, again, two thousand one. Well, jump forward four years, and Max was pretty darn evil in two thousand five. Just saying.
2: That's a problem. I do.
1: <laughs> I play it that way as well. But, you know, in the realm of comics, you could say Maxwell Lord was pretty much an evil... B-. Forgive my language. Year 2005. Yeah. Not too far off 2001.
0: Yeah, yeah no, I, I agree. Sadly, he was already, He was always kind of a... I don't want to say evil. He was always more... I can't think of the quite right word. He's not, not a bad guy, per se, but he always had his own way of doing things. Yeah.
1: Well, he was... Uh, he, he was... He was a good guy, but he was. I guess i got to figure out how to phrase that. I, I'm, I'm struggling as well. <laughs> he was the good guy you, you love to hate. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, he, he would use his powers selfishly. He wasn't, you yeah.
1: know. He was the antagonist on their own team. So, yeah. you know what? All right. So I'm going to expand this a little further. So let's think about this. Okay. So the whole deal with Wave Rider, right? You know, everyone talks about armoring again in 2001. Okay. Keep in mind, folks, Wave Rider's not from the year 2001. He's actually from 50 years in the future, which would be 20, uh, 50 years in the future from from 1991. So he's from the year 2041. So Wave Riders from 2041. And what we know is that whoever becomes Monarch murders all the other superheroes in the year 2001. Well, again, Max went around killing a bunch of people in 2005.
0: So maybe
1: Max is Monarch.
0: <laughs> maybe he misread the situation. And... Right. Just saying. Yeah. Well, you
1: know, I've got comments on that later on. In the series, I'm sure you but. do, yes. I'm sure you do. A <laughs> lot to discuss on that topic, I'm sure. Oh, you know what else is interesting, too? You know, here, when he when he touches Max, you know, Max is on death's door after being shot. And I hadn't thought about this, and this will come up more, I guess, when I do the podcast and it gets to this point, because this is this a big plot line through breakdowns with Max being shot, or at least leading up to breakdowns. Max, uh, the same sort of thing happened to Max before. In the first 12 issues, he gets shot by Mrs. Well, Wootenheimer, or Wootenhofer, and then the, the computer stitches him back together, and then issue 12, he destroys the evil computer, and Max ends up in the hospital dying from gunshot wounds. And it's like, oh, we've kind of done this once before. A recurring theme I guess so, yeah.
0: Hm. I guess that's why later on, he, he wants the other end of the game.
1: Maybe he did. Maybe <laughs> he did. <laughs> <laughs> mm.
0: but I do like when they're on the plane headed back, and they're, you know, uh, Booster Gold's talking to him about know, the future, and what's, what do they need to do, and Wow, miniskirts are bad. <laughs> down, go down. Sorry, but the fashions where I come from are just boring.
1: I love, I love that part too.
0: <laughs> I, I love these little outbursts like it's just hilarious.
1: Yep, too funny. <laughs> and if you know, as I seem to recall, well, the um, uh, space museum. The, the stories I've seen, uh, the the ladies were always dressed pretty provocatively. So I don't know that Booster knows what he's talking about with these future fashions. So. Just saying. Right,
0: maybe some timey whiny wibble blew all these stuffs mess with his brain possibly.
1: Or, or maybe the stuff went out of fashion. I guess maybe, that's always in the future. Maybe maybe there wasn't. Maybe yeah. everything was skimpy, and then something went out of fashion, and Booster's upset about it. I don't know.
0: Or maybe something Booster did in the past changed the future. Uh,
1: his lecherous behavior caused women to cover up more. Is what you're saying?
0: possibly it's a possibility wow. you never that know
1: that sends so many wrong messages so many wrong messages that's just terrible you're the worst
0: uh, thank you thank you I, i've heard that before uh, in fact i heard that on my own show it's gonna be a habit <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I like how when they're talking with uh b we don't see any that's all behind a closed door yeah. but we, no i will i absolutely will Max, did you know he's bleeding?
1: Uh, no Mr. Right, that was so funny. <laughs> and then he convinces her to give over part of his, her company, too. <laughs> Such a Max. That's a
0: headache sometimes.
1: <laughs> Such a Max move.
0: Very much so. I oh, look, oh, D. Look, dear. B signed over a for to recover the to Max. That's nice, sweetie. <laughs>
1: Well, then you jump forward a bit, you get another full page uh, newspaper ad for Daily Planet. No, I a newspaper headline Max Lord at Death's Door. And then, very graphically, they have a picture of him in a hospital bed on a breather. Like, wow, would really Daily Planet run that on the front page? That's pretty gruesome. That's, like, ghoulish.
0: Depends on who's running, I guess, in 1990. Oh, that's
1: 1991.
0: Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, no, that was current time, so yeah, I don't know. That's oh, a little ghoulish, yeah. but I mean, it's effective for the comic. Going back a couple pages real quick with uh, Guy in Ice. Did you notice on the refrigerator? Apparently, Guy and Ice have children.
1: Oh, there's it a, does say "Daddy." So, of
0: Guy, this is Daddy.
1: Well, then I take that back. The story wouldn't be out of order. Then, or then it would. Oh, jeez! What that means then <sighs> is that Max gets General Glory to reform the JLI, and then Max quits everything and goes and becomes a beachcomber. That doesn't really make yeah, a lot of sense. That's
0: just, I'm sure that wasn't meant to be talked about on a pad, podcast thirty years later, but yeah, as I'm reading through here I I noticed that daddy of Guy Gardner, I'm like that's not done by an infant, that's done by
1: Yeah, it's like a four or five year old Yeah Lee. So Yeah. I mean, or or an Aaron or an Aaron Moss, whichever.
0: I wish I could draw that good. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it just got me thinking I wonder you know, I've got to wonder. I think I'm looking too much into it, I'm sure it's not their intention, but Right. But yeah, is is it out of order like you were talked originally, or is it just several years taking place between? I don't know. But hmm. anyways, moving on from there because again, so yeah, we get uh, way the last framing sequence here. where wave riders looking at the paper and vanishes.
1: So all right, so the greasy headed guy with the mustache and the long hair that he's in the sunglasses, like that looks like every dude guy uh, Keith <sighs> Giffen draws in the background of a panel, or like um. That guy from Amazing um, um, Man too looks like the guy from the Amazing Man, oh, okay. Amazing Man as well. But either way,
0: <laughs> yeah. And then yeah, they're at the very bottom where, as I've had the synops- synopsis, synopsis, you know, continue. We wave- hop into Annual Two and just like Year Three, they skip a whole bunch of titles.
1: They really did. And the interesting thing though is those two annuals are kind of sort of pretty important. So yeah, pretty important characters are in those two annuals. For the future of the Armageddon Saga.
0: Yeah, so it's your way saying you don't need to read the rest of these books in between. The rest are just filler. These we really need to read.
1: <laughs> well, I don't even know that you have to read them, but I'm just saying there's some important characters.
0: What, was, was Andy, I don't remember who they ed- was editing Hawk and Dove at the time. I don't think it was Andy Oh, jeez.
1: Uh, just... I don't think so.
0: No, sometimes, like think... in letter columns and, and things, the next issue stuff, they'll talk about some of the other books that they, they work on.
1: Oh, yeah, it could be.
0: I, I don't know. Be interesting to find out who put that in there and why they selected those two, other than the, the obvious reasons.
1: Right, <laughs> right.
0: Hmm. So overall, uh, skipping the the we'll talk about in a few minutes the uh, the ending of the whole series. Uh, what are your okay. real thoughts of this of the annual itself?
1: I, I love the concept. I mean, if you got to do a team book, which is very difficult to do, especially what, with this framing, you know, idea of like what's everybody's future, rather than doing all these little individual stories of everyone's different futures. It's really one sort of thematic story and so having wave Rider pop in and check each person as in, in, in their journey of the story is pretty cool I, I thought it was done very nicely
0: I agree like I say there's they with a team book sometimes it's hard how to it's kind of hard to figure out how to handle a team book when you're looking mm-hmm. at if you could do one whole whole team in the future but I do like how they handled it here they showed little vignettes of each of the members and eventually led them up to becoming a team again so I do thought that was a nice touch.
1: Yeah. Kind of reminds me of like um, the, the, the years of, of annuals where they did the Elseworld annuals, right. where they did the Legends of the Dead Earth annuals. And, I, I, you know, just thematically feels a little the same, where it's like everything's falling apart and here's how it all comes back together. Yeah. You know,
0: it's, it's nice. Very much so. Well, do you, do you have any other thoughts on the Armageddon 2001? As far as I like, said, so we'll get to any in a few minutes here, but as far as the, the series up to this point, and uh, you said you read this when they first came out, right? Yeah, I read all
1: of them when they were coming out.
0: Yep. I know you talked about before you were working at a comic shop. Was that this point, or was that after this? When you, did you just read? at just
1: after this. Um, in fact, I'd have to look at the release date of when Armageddon two thousand one number two came out because I may have. Uh, well, wait nineteen.
0: I'm trying to remember ninety
1: one. So I, I started in November. Yeah, I started in November ninety one is when I started working for the comic book store. Oh,
2: Okay.
1: So it's uh, either the second one had probably come out. I think it was a summer crossover, if I remember right. But either way, it was shortly right after this is when I started working at the comic shop.
0: And just let you know, I envy you that that would have been one of my dream jobs, working at a comic shop, just because I'm around comics all day long.
1: (laughs) Hands down, it is the favorite, my my most favorite job I've ever had. And I've typically loved the jobs I have, but that was absolute best because all day long, your job is to come in. Your job is to sit there while people come in to buy something they love. Because, you know, if if any business you work at, there's a good chance where you're working, people purchase that service or item because they have to. Right. Like, look at a grocery store. People don't go into a grocery store because they want to. They go to a grocery store because they got to freaking eat. Right. People don't go to Comcast because they have to or they want to. They do it because they have to. So a comic book store is a luxury item. They go there because they want to. So they come in, and they love it, and it's just full of joy and happiness. And you might sit there and bicker with someone about who's stronger, Thor, the Hulk, or Superman, whatever. It's just fun, and you're getting paid to do it.
0: It's, like, the greatest job ever. Well, if you're not super busy, I'm sure you, you do. You know, being a comic fan, you get to talk to these people, and you get other people's opinions and thoughts on things, and you get a chance to geek out. It's awesome. Regardless of what yep. your home life's like. And if you don't have anyone home to talk to about comic books, I'm going to work, and I'm going to talk about comic books. Yeah,
1: right. <laughs> the only downside was we also sold role-playing games. And while I love role-playing games... Right. I don't want to hear about your character. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's why people make T-shirts that say, I don't want to hear about your character. <laughs> it's you because go. somebody comes into the comic shop and then they want to spend 40 minutes telling you why their Dark Elf is different than everybody else's Dark Elf. And you're like, I don't freaking care, bro. But you can't say that. Right. You just got to smile and go, uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, oh there's more? Okay,
0: that's great. So I, to to Please. About my elf I just created for a d and I'm playing. <laughs> That, that
1: would be awesome. <laughs> Hang on, let me put the headset down. You go ahead and start talking, though. <laughs>
0: oh, fantastic. Uh, that's I, love I, yes. I, I love role-playing games. I do. Yes.
1: I love role-playing games. I'm in one right now. I just know that where to draw the line as far as right. what I'm going to tell people about the story. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. It's interesting, yeah, knowing other people play, but yeah, getting to the nitty-gritty of it sometimes. Okay, yeah, that's interesting. I'm not there. It doesn't really matter to me. <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: It's, 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 it's my buddy Siskoid from the Firewater Podcast Network described it best. Describing your role playing campaign to someone else is like trying to describe a dream. <laughs> it is interesting to the person
0: who's telling the story.
1: The other person on the other end's like, Yeah, I don't really care that much. Okay.
0: Speaking of which though, I don't know if you if you've heard a uh, podcast For Whom the Die Rolls. Mm, no. that What's one? That? It's uh Adam Worth from The Bad Advice Show. Okay. Him and some other guys, Thomas Stanley and some other their friends. They role play. They're playing a D anD D game, and they're recording what mm-hmm. they do, and then they're playing as a podcast. Each of their adventures. Oh, I think it's really interesting. I've
1: heard, I've heard there's some podcasts out there where people actually role playing on the show, and that's a really cool idea.
0: Huh, neat. Yeah, that's for whom the die rolls. Yeah, it's, it's very. It's a very interesting show. I mean, like, see, just getting back into D anD D myself after 15 years of not role playing. It's very interesting. I'm enjoying that podcast also. Cool. But,
1: Always uh, would like to hear about other cool podcasts.
0: If you time, yeah, check that one out. But that's not story entirely.
1: I think I've said everything and more.
0: <laughs> well, real quick. Well, I say real quick. will give me a drink of water and a beer or something. You go ahead and talk. Want to tell everybody where they can find you on the the interviews?
1: Oh, geez. Okay. Well, the, the quickest, fastest place is to head over to the fire and uh, fire and water podcast.com. All of our shows are there. It's a network that my buddy and I uh, started. His name's Rob. Uh, He's not really my buddy. I just say that, though, because you know whatever it just makes people feel better anyway uh rob and i started the network on a talking about aquaman and firestorm and it just grew from there we've got a lot of other people that have joined us a lot of partners we've got shows on just about everything you can imagine in the realm of comics personally i do a show on again aquaman and firestorm i also do one on who's who the definitive director of the dc universe i'm involved with one that's about role playing called hero points uh i have my don't justice league international hero points in yeah. fact uh I, I don't know when this is being recorded versus being released, but I'm recording a Hero Points episode next week.
2: All right, so, yeah, this,
1: <laughs>
0: <yeah>. <laughs> this should it'll be come the first one in next
1: week. Uh, which it'll is... be the first one in like six months. But yeah, we're doing it. <laughs> 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 we did three whole, three or four whole episodes last year. Now shut
2: up. Anyway, <laughs> and no um, I have a hard
0: time about because I really love that podcast. Also, because I, I love the we do too. DC role playing game. That's when I played big time back in the early '90s. So I just love hearing you guys talk about that.
1: We love it, too. It's just it's it's hard to sit there and read a whole module and get it done and, and really do it justice and find time to fit it in amongst everything else. Uh, cause most of my time, again, is filled up with Ocarina Firestorm, who's who, and Justice League International, the Blah, ha, ha podcast, where we are going through, or I should say, I am going through the guest each episode, the Giffen and DeMatteis era of Justice League, starting with issue one, going all the way up to the end of Breakdowns and uh, beyond a little bit. So, uh, that's, and I, am on, oh, yeah, Digest Cast, where we talk about the wonderful little Digest comics you can get with DC and Marvel stuff, and, uh, a lot of other shows I pop in and out on, so yep. But the best place is FireAndWaterPodcast.com. dot well, com.
0: Let me second that. I really love all your shows, as we talked about previously. Uh, early before we started recording, I, I listen to almost all your shows again because we have a lot of the same interests. I love Firestorm. I love role playing. I like giving Aquaman a bad time. Uh, so <laughs> 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 but uh, yeah, real quick, I'm on a, a Facebook comic collecting group and. Here, not too long ago, someone got a bunch of comics. I forget which one it was now. They got, like, a whole stack of the same comic, and they were trying to decide what to do with them, and someone recommended we'll give them out as Halloween gifts, or for you know, Halloween.
1: Nice. And
0: I mean, well, that's, I, I know, you know, a podcasting buddy of mine, Shag, you know, he, he hands out comics at Halloween time. And just to let you know, a guy on there named Josh Puffler. He, okay. He was, uh, he, I said, you know, my buddy podcasting buddy Shag does that. He's like, is that Shag from the Fire and Water podcast? Oh, yeah. That's so cool, man. Have fun. Tell him I said hi and that he said issue 29 of Firestorm was his first book, and he loved oh. it. And he, th- he knows that you think that cover's hideous. <laughs> but, yeah, you, when I mentioned your name, you're like, Shag from the Fire and Water? Yeah, that's Shag. Wow, that's, that's really cool. And that's this one we were supposed to record a couple weeks ago. Said, that's really cool. Tell him, you know, tell him I said hi and that I love Firestorm, <laughs> i like... I just want to pass that on to you.
1: What a crazy small world. Well, dude, do me a favor. Shoot me that guy's name while I'll say hey to him. So okay. that's
0: fantastic. That's so cool. So, but yeah, tell me.
1: Oh, mean, another match head.
0: There you go. It's always a good thing. But, uh, well, I guess that'll do it for this, this segment. Uh, be back with us next month. We have another segment. I talk about the next issue of the Armageddon 2001. I believe it's the Superman or the Action Comics annual. Uh, I'll do it. Stay tuned for the commercials, and I'll be right back with you guys. Ted Speaks We we'll be back after these important messages.
1: Yeah, I'm really excited for 2016. In fact, I think we should record a promo about all the changes to the Fire and Water Podcast Network happening this year. What do you think, Rob?
0: That's a great idea. We can mention the new folks joining the network and all the shows. I can talk about how we'll continue with our Aquaman and Firestorm show, and I want to be sure to plug my movie show, the Film and Water Podcast. What about you, Ryan? Oh, I think we should definitely record a promo.
3: I'll mention how the Secret Origins Podcast is joining the Fire and Water Network, and then I'll introduce my newly relaunched shows, Give Me Those Star Wars and Power of Fishnets, the Black Canary and Zatanna Podcast. Sound good to you, Chris? Absolutely. I'll mention the show I record with my lovely wife, Cindy, Supermates, the husband and wife geekcast. We should probably also mention the Power Records podcast Rob and I do, too. What about you,
1: Siskoid? Well, sure. I can talk about my ensemble show, The Lonely Hearts Romance Comics Podcast, and my new upcoming shows about the DC Comics crossover event, Invasion, and yes, Oh Hot Moo. Shag, you think we should mention Hero Points, the most occasional DC Heroes role-playing podcast? Sure. Why not? And I can talk about Who's Who, the definitive podcast of the DC Universe, and mention my new upcoming show, Justice League International, Blah ha, Ha Podcast. Now, Here's what I'm thinking. When we record, I'm fine being the first person talking. I can explain all the changes to the Wait
0: network. a minute, wait a minute, wait. Why do you get to start the promo? I'm just as much of a part of this as you are. It was my idea to create the Fire & Water podcast back in 2011. I should start off this promo. I kind of think
3: it should be one of the new voices who kick off the promo. It'll shock the listener into attention if it's not Rob or Shag. Cindy and I make up two people in the network. Plus, you know, ladies first. So we should be the first people talking on the promo. Ben, voyons don't you
1: have
0: what, got uh, what, it's 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 well and to a- stop it!
3: You're like boys with toys. Let's just make this simple. We can tell the folks at home the Fire and Water Podcast Network is growing in 2016. Several new shows are joining the network. We'll have a new dedicated website, a Twitter account,
1: and Facebook page, and folks will be able to subscribe to each individual show or all of them. See, now was that so hard? Fire and Water Podcast Network. Available soon through iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and water Podcast.com.
0: Seriously, Shag, you had to get the last word, didn't you?
3: Hi, gang. It's Adam Worth from The Bad Advice Show, and it's official. Critics, fellow podcasters, and fans alike have voted, and The Bad Advice Show has won the 2016 award for Best New Podcast. Detractors called us the most dangerous show in podcasting, but thanks to you, the fans, this little podcast that could has shown them all. To help celebrate our podcasting colleagues from around the world have sent us in congratulatory messages, like this gem from Aaron the Head Moss of the Head Speaks Network.
0: Yeah, I enjoy listening to the Bad Advice podcast when I'm going to the bathroom, because, you know, what in Rome.
3: But wait, there's more.
0: This is Ryan Daly from the Secret Origins Podcast. My ex-wife's divorce attorney calls the bad advice show a gold mine.
3: And still others have sent contributions in to show their reverence. So we're going to
0: record the next episode of the Negative One Podcast in a second, right, Matt? Yeah. All right. Um, Did you hear that we got a new podcast on the network no i heard that we we it's just adopted some bullshit that no one's gonna listen to yeah it sounds about right it's called the bad advice show and it, it really is shit is it a bad ad, is it a bad bad advice show show bad bad advice show show do I have to? Yes! Hello, this is Gene Hendricks from the Two True Freaks Network.
3: Louder and more natural!
0: <sighs> I would just like to tell everyone
3: that the Bad Advice Show is a wonderful podcast, and everyone should listen to it. Can I have my dog back now? You can find The Bad Advice Show wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. So search for us and subscribe now so that you too can say, I was into The Bad Advice Show before it went mainstream.
0: The Bad Advice Show is a great podcast, as long as you hate yourself. Head Speaks Welcome back, hope you enjoyed those commercials Uh, Those are some podcasts I love listening to So I figured you'd enjoy listening to it Anyways, let's go ahead and move on with Today's show Carry on with it Up next is a brand new segment It's called Behind the Podcast what is this kind of like behind the music? It's a behind the look at podcasters about how they do, you know, as uh, my first guest is about to say, how the sausage is made. A little bit behind how they do their podcasts, how they got started, their personal life a little bit, things like that. Uh, what is this segment started, and I'll talk a little bit about it during the actual segment. But on the 40th episode of The Bad Advice Show, my buddy Diamond Adam Worth. He wanted to do something a little different for that episode. He wanted to do an episode called Behind the Podcast, where he wanted some, to interview him, interview style, and get some behind-the-scenes stuff. So he turned to me, because everyone's turned him down, I'm assuming, but no. <laughs> he turned to me and asked me to help him out with it, so I kindly stepped forward, and I he gave me a list of questions, he said, let me go off from there if I need to. So I interviewed him, and... As I said, it was his 40th episode, he released it, and uh, one of his buddies, uh, Thomas Stanley, who's another podcaster for the Negative One podcast, and he has a game uh, podcast called For Whom the Die, Roll, that I talked to Chad about earlier, Thomas sent me a message and said, you know, hey, that was a pretty good You know, show. He's like, have you thought about doing another show like that, just doing a show on the regular interviewing people? You know, well, it's a good idea, and would enjoy doing that. I enjoyed that episode, but I don't have the time. I've got four podcasts already. I was doing a uh, Krypton podcast, but I had to step away just because of time. Not having enough time in the day, so I don't have time for another podcast. But I've been thinking about that. You know, I enjoy doing that. I would like to do, because you know, it's a good way to talk with other people, get their stories out there, and that way listeners that listens to podcasts can tune in and find out about the podcasts they love about the podcasters a little behind the scenes that we don't normally get to because normally whenever and again some podcasts are different some are a little more uh realistic if you will others pin on a performance but this way we get behind all that and see the person behind the podcast and learn a little bit about them but I'm like, you know what i don't have time for another show but what if I include it as a segment on Head Speaks. That way, if I have time to do one, if I can talk to somebody, I can record a segment, throw it into an episode, and there. If I don't have time, well, I won't have that segment, that episode. It's not like it's a new podcast that someone's waiting every month or week or whatever it's supposed to be coming out. So there was born, and so I, well, let's take a more step back. So I threw a message to Diamond Adam Worth, since it was his idea to begin with, and I asked him, Are you doing anything with this? Do you mind if I do something? He said, no, yeah, my blessings. Go for it, Brotherhead. Run with it. So, there is Born, my newest segment for my show, Behind the Podcast. I will release these when I can. Uh, it depends on who I can get to speak with me, the time constraints, all that good stuff. But hopefully I can to talk to a lot of new people like this. But I'm going to start out with people I know, mostly other uh, comic book type podcasters that I talk with already. And we'll go from there. Uh, If you're a podcaster and you want to be in this segment, feel free to send me an email. Send it to behindthepodcast at headspeaks.com. And I will hook up with you and we'll get you going too. So enough preamble. Let's go ahead and start this new segment with a bumper.
2: Behind...
0: the podcast. And so for my very first guest on my inaugural section for Behind the Podcast, I'm bringing in, I think I make some jokes about them and make fun of them, but you know what? I'm going to be a little serious right now. I've talked about this before. Uh, My my first, very first guest on this is, as I've said before, one of my podcasting mentors. Uh, When I started listening to podcasts, I started listening to Kevin Smith's podcast, and from there I wanted to find something that I enjoy. As i said, everywhere, my two favorite characters are Firestorm and the Atom. I couldn't find a good Atom podcast, but I found one called uh, Fire and Water Podcast, where they talk about Firestorm and Aquaman. Firestorm being one of my favorite characters. I started listening, and I heard this gentleman here. Let me introduce you to the Irredeemable Shag. Hey, Shag.
2: Well, hey,
1: Aaron. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate
0: this. I appreciate you doing this with me and being my first official guest on here. Uh, What this is is behind the podcast... Uh, we're just gonna get a behind the scenes look at the were old Shag in his home life. Uh, where my a Oh no, okay, no, okay. I don't have the money for that. But, uh.
1: In his natural habitat.
0: <laughs> so let's get started with uh, Shag. Why do tell us a bit, what shows do you have? Your, your main show. Well, so, uh, let's stick with that because you've got so many. Okay, sure.
1: <laughs> the main show is is currently called, uh, and that's I say that specifically because we'll look to what we can talk about in a minute. It's called Aquaman and Firestorm: The Fire and Water Podcast. That is the main show that is sort of the flagship show of our podcast network. Now, I, I, my other main show would then be Justice League International Blah Ha Ha Podcast, uh, which is where I go through and uh, do an index show with uh, the J.M.D. Mateus and Keith Giffen era of Justice League.
0: And so for your main, the Fire and Water uh, show, how did you how did you come up with that idea? Whose idea was that to begin with? What was the origin behind it?
1: Well, my podcasting uh, life partner uh, is Rob Kelly. And Rob, for many years, did a did a, a blog called the Aquaman Shrine, very well known. Tons of people read it; it was huge. I uh, did a. I was inspired by the Aquaman Shrine decided to start one on my favorite character, which was Firestorm. So I started the Firestorm fan blog. Not nearly as popular as Rob's, or as well written, but it was out there. So, and I have this thing where I love to build communities. I love to build communities of friends podcasters, bloggers, whatever. And so I would start reaching out to various bloggers and say, like, hey, guys, you know, you're doing Aquaman and I'm doing Firestorm and this guy over here is doing Marsh Manor, and this guy over here is doing Green Arrow. Let's all cross over our blog on the same day, you know, because crossovers are big in comic books. Let's do a crossover ourselves. I mean, and I wasn't the person who invented this idea. I'm not claiming that, but I'm just saying I would I'd love to do those kinds of events. And so we would do these blog crossovers. Well, we all got to kind of know each other. We started to build a community. And then. Rob calls me up out of the blue one day and says, "Hey, I'm thinking about doing a podcast, but I don't want to do it myself or do it alone." I mean, Uh, he had this idea to do an Aquaman podcast. He knew I loved Aquaman as well, but he wanted to do some sort of partnership idea with somebody else. So, and he had heard me on another podcast, and we and so became Aquaman and Firestorm. And we, it was his idea to start with. So it really grew out of our blogs, which neither
0: one of us are even doing anymore. So, and, and so that, is, that your, is that your first foray into podcasting? Is doing the, the Fire and Water?
1: No, not at all. Actually, uh, it was another buddy of mine. Uh, probably 2003, I think, is when I started podcasting. Maybe uh, a buddy of mine named John Boutel had this idea to start a podcast network called the uh, Wow. I almost stumbled over the name, uh, the Unique Geek, which was it's, the brand's still around. Uh, mainly what they do now is uh, pre-shows for the DragonCon convention. If you ever go to the DragonCon convention, you should definitely listen to the Unique Geek podcast. They do this thing called 50 Days of DragonCon, leading up to DragonCon every year, where they interview all of the different people involved with DragonCon, like the directors of this track and director of this track, and give you security and all these different folks. And it's a great primer to get ready for DragonCon. It's really cool. But back in its infancy, it was just a bunch of idiots sitting around talking about whatever they felt like. It was very chaotic. Uh, we we're all tripping over each other. We we're all kind of figuring out what we we're doing as we we're going. I, that was about the point where I figured out, oh, put a microphone in front of me. I'm a jerk. Okay. And that's where the irredeemable side of me first came to be, was through these podcasts. So we did uh, The Unique Geek for a long time. Actually, that's where I met uh, – when I met Michael Bailey at DragonCon, we invited him to participate in The Unique Geek. So he actually came on, and he was in some of these early episodes of The Unique Geek. That was his first podcasting experience as well, by the way. And then Michael Bailey launched Views from the Longbox, Box, and I did a couple episodes of his show where we actually talked about who's who, and that's where Rob – heard Rob Kelly heard me on Michael Bailey's Views from the Long Box, and that's how we ended up with the Fire and
0: water. Oh, very interesting. Uh, so when you, you first started doing the... <laughs> I, love, I love how nice you
1: are, like, oh, very no, interesting, not really at all. I know, but you you were the fool who asked me these questions.
0: Yeah, why <laughs> did I what get into these, these positions? Anyway, no, no, that's very... I, I know you've heard you talk about the Unique before, but I didn't realize that was your first... That's what got you into... The whole podcasting game, as it were. Yep. So, yeah, you see, Fire and Wire was your first actual podcast that you and you and Rob started. Uh, what was your vision when you guys started the show, when you guys started doing the podcast? Did you guys envision? Because now you have a whole network and you have a dozen different shows.
1: Right. Well, where we are now was not at all where we thought we'd end up being. In fact, when we started the podcast, we always said that the blogs were the center of our Main fandom. We wanted the blogs to be the center and the podcast was just additional. In fact, we kind of hoped the podcast would sort of attract some attention to the blogs. That was really the point because when we start, we started the podcast right when the new 52 was launching and both Aquaman and Firestorm were getting their own series. So we felt like, oh, this is perfect. You know, both are getting their own ongoing series. Neither one of them had one in years and it was a great opportunity to, you know, talk about this stuff. And very quickly, it, it changed and morphed, and the blogs became less interesting to us. The podcast became more interesting to us. Um, and so the vision really changed. So it, it, the vision was to help the blogs initially. And then later on, the vision became, once we started doing ancillary shows like Who's Who, uh, we had this idea. We're like, you know what? I really wish people could listen to Who's Who, uh, could choose to just listen to Who's Who and not have to listen to Fire and Water. Like they could choose them independently. And that started to blossom the network idea.
0: So is that the main reason that the uh, the blogs have went away for the most part, is that you guys lost interest in it, or is it just you don't have enough time for them?
1: Um, well, th- that really addresses your next question uh, about what's different about how we thought it would turn out. Um, truthfully, <laughs> this isn't something I like saying publicly necessarily, but we're not real impressed with the way Aquaman and Firestorm have been handled by DC in recent years. That's, um I agree with you. And now, now it's not it's not really fair to say that about Aquaman because Aquaman has gotten a lot of press. You know, he, he's had some great runs in his series. Some of Jeff John's issues were amazing. You know, Dan Abnett's issues were amazing. Jeff Parker's issues were amazing. But the whole idea of taking Aquaman into the savage mode, it's not Rob's favorite. Uh, in fact, the Peter David era is not a favorite era of Rob's. And that's kind of the direction they're going. Firestorm, I'm a little frustrated because DC can't figure out what to do with him. You know, he's bigger than ever. Because he's on Justice League uh, Unlimited, or is that what it's called? No, Justice League Action, I'm sorry. Just, Justice League Action, and he's on, um, well, he was on Legends of Tomorrow. First. I mean, more, well, he, well it, it was a guy named Firestorm. Yeah, Storm.
0: my own personal issue with that.
1: And, and I think both of us agree, though, that was Professor Stein, stepped off the page. Oh, though. very much I mean, so. That was amazing, um, amazing representation of Professor Stein, who's my favorite character in the whole thing. But, so, I I I haven't been real thrilled about it. Now the other thing is we could look at it and say, all right, well, uh, Aquaman. When Rob started the blog, uh, Aquaman was dead. Literally, right. Arthur Curry was dead. And when I started the Firestorm fan blog, uh, Ronnie Raymond was dead. And so both our characters were dead. And by the time we stopped the blogs, both of them, you know, one had a movie on the way, the other one was on TV. So it's like, okay, well, you know, mission accomplished. They don't really need us anymore to promote them. We don't need, dog. you know. With- Well, right. When CNN is doing headlines about Firestorm and Aquaman, they don't need my stupid blog out there helping them anymore. (laughs) So, you know, I I had lots of opportunities to talk with Jerry Conway over the years, you know, who's a Firestorm godfather, a lot of. So so really, that's kind of why the blogs went away is because we kind of lost a lot of our passion for it. In fact, we don't do as many episodes of Firestorm and Aquaman anymore at the Fire Fire and Water Podcast Network. We have a mantra and that is find your joy find what makes you happy and follow that because you know we're all reading comics for God's sakes we need to enjoy it you know don't there's so many people out there who read comics and just love to complain about them and it's like then why are you reading them? you know we're all too old to sit around and waste time doing stuff that doesn't make us happy. So we're all about Find Your Joy, which is where we're all starting to do our own thing. Like Rob's talking about movies now, and he's talking about Treasury Comics, and he's talking about Pop, uh, Bob Dylan. You know, I'm talking about League International. I'm talking about the DC Heroes role-playing game, stuff that makes me happy. And so there's been a lot less focus on Firestorm and Aquaman. Uh, we're still doing some. You know, we're still doing – we're trying to do one episode every month or every two months, but there's a lot more focus on the other stuff.
0: Well, I'm enjoying your other – where I'm enjoying – I love the Who's Who. I love the, the uh, podcast – or the uh – Hero, hero points. I'm enjoying. Rob's just got his Mash Cast MASHcast? Yeah, mash cast?
2: Yeah. He's I'm doing Mash
0: one. I, I, I do miss the Firestorm bits because, again, as i said everywhere, Firestorm is one of my two favorite characters. So that's, but I understand yep. where you guys are coming from. Like, like you say, and i I taken that kind of my own mantra myself, that, you know, find your joy. I love that hope thought. So.
1: And one of the most fun things about the podcast too is you know Rob and I we when we decided to make it a, a network we brought in a couple other folks to that was we felt were sort of like in sync with what we were doing with podcast. so we brought in Ryan Daly and Siskoid and Chris Franklin and then eventually we expanded more to bring in Nathaniel Wayne and Zoom Yukonori and Max Romero. And it's it's we we've actually formed this group of people of amazingly talented people. I mean, I'm consistently amazed when I listen to their shows. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, this stuff is so good. This is so much better than what I'm putting out. I'm thrilled to just be part of this creative, you know, output. So amazing, amazing folks over there, and that, that's a huge change for how things started out to where they are
0: now. Well, first of all, don't sell yourself short. I think you do an amazing job. I enjoy, well, like I said, you're the one that got me into podcasting. So I think you do a magnificent job on your shows. So don't sell yourself short, there, Shag.
1: Well, you're very kind. I think I peaked around 2012. <laughs> it's all been downhills since then, my friend.
0: <laughs> uh, so as far as the so you guys have the network, do you guys plan on adding more shows at this point, or is it just a, a, whatever happens, happens? Oof.
1: Well, you know, every week we have a new idea for a show we want to do, just like every other podcaster right. in the world. I mean, How many times have, you know, we've all done We've all been guilty of it. I've seen you do it on Facebook too. You throw an idea out there like, oh, I love this thing. I would love to do a podcast on this. And then, you know, then you sort of wake up and go, oh, I can't, I can't do this. I can't even get my own shows done right now. You know, all of us go through that. So, you know, I would absolutely kill to do a podcast on Dr. Fate or Blue Devil or Power Pack or, you know, just any number of things that I just love but, uh, or Marvel Unlimited, do a podcast about Marvel Unlimited, just talk about fun stuff there, you know, whatever. But yeah, it's, uh, there's just not enough hours in the day.
0: <laughs> do you guys want to bring in more people in the network? Or is that just something that if it happens, it happens?
1: Um, not right now. Uh, we, you know, we, we had the, the core five and we did that for a year. And then after a year, we decided to expand a little bit and we let in three more people, uh, that we thought were great. And it's been, it's they've been, they've been absolutely fantastic. But right now, we're producing a new show almost every single day. Like there's not enough days in the calendar anymore right. to be able to put shows out. So for right now, I think we're I think we're done expanding. Uh, I think we've we've grown bigger than our britches can stand. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so as do, doing the, the Fire and Water podcast and the Who's Who and all these other shows you do, what's what seems to be the biggest obstacle that you seem to run into as a podcaster?
1: Time. <laughs> Time is the biggest freaking hurdle. Uh, because you know, it, just for those of you who don't do podcasts, I don't know Aaron if you've ever talked about this on your shows. The editing is a freaking nightmare because like you, rec- you spend all the time prepping, right? You're right. reading the comic, you're researching the comic, you're, you're finding all the reasons to go. Wait a minute, this doesn't make any sense when it's something you absolutely love. That's that's the part of the problem with podcasting is you tear apart what you love when you realize oh, there's a million plot holes here I didn't see before. Anyway, there's all the prep work, then there's the actual recording. Uh, that's assuming everything works like it you know, goes off yeah. like a hitch, and you didn't, the recording didn't fail to record or whatever, you know. And then there's the editing. And he, here's the shocking thing, folks: for those of you who've never edited a podcast, the, the average, at least amongst sort you know, we have, Aaron is part of a, a private group where we all kind of share and exchange ideas on podcasts and, and, and podcast producing. And on average, at least as near as I can tell, it takes most people one hour to produce. 15 minutes of edited audio. Is that about right yeah. for you, or are you at a faster rate? Uh, well, or?
0: when I'm editing, when I'm doing with other people, yeah, probably about that.
1: Yeah, because you'd be shocked at how many times people say, um. <laughs> it's amazing. I'm horrible um at it, um, 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 saying it myself. It's poor Aaron. I, I don't envy him editing this out. And then also I have a little bit of Tourette, so I'm constantly blurting out curse words. So he has to cut all those out. Anyway. Uh <laughs> But um, the editing is just takes so long. You know, if you're doing a two-hour podcast, that's, like, what, uh, four, eight hours yeah. of editing? Yeah. So just just painful, painful. But it's, uh, it's it, the final product's worth it,
0: though. See, for me, it's kind of the reverse. I, I don't mind the editing. I can find – because I've got a three-year-old. Yeah, I think he has okay. three-year-old home. So I don't mind because I can edit one of his shows on. I can sit there and, record, you know, edit G.I. Joe or this show or whatever I'm doing. I can edit while he's watching his cartoons. Over and over and over again. God help me. But uh, <laughs> my
1: it's only so many times you can watch Thomas the Train.
0: <laughs> oh, he, right now he's in the Super Monsters and some Netflix show.
1: Oh wow. Okay. And, uh, the, my, mine, are, uh, mine are eighteen and twelve. So I don't. I'm not even in touch at all with what's what's hit with kids anymore. Yeah.
0: So yeah, my my difficulty, as I've talked about before, is finding the time to actually record. Oh, okay. Quiet time because the wife, she works a full time job. She started a job doing cups and T-shirts and stuff on the side to make some extra money. Mm-hmm. So yeah, With a three-year-old, that's because my 10-year-old, she just turned 10, she's no problem. I can send her to a room. She can go play on her Alexa or something. But, yeah, my three-year-old needs a little bit more attention because, again, we named him uh, Grayson after Dick Grayson. But nice. we should have named him Matthew Murdoch because <laughs> this kid has no fear. That He climbed on his potty stool in the bathroom. Which was about oh half foot away from the bathtub, and he tried to leap into the bathtub. <gasps>
2: so,
0: he, and the wife happened to turn away at that second, missed his. Oh, ah. yeah, A couple of days before, I saw him. I mean, no, do not even think about it, young man. So, right, so right. Yeah, that, that's my biggest obstacle is finding the, the time to actually record without when it's quiet.
1: Well, that's you know that's a challenge too here, folks. Behind the scenes for you, Aaron uh, lives in California, and so therefore he's on the Pacific time. Whereas I'm on Eastern time. So I know trying to sync up with people in different time zones is also very challenging because, you know, for me, I can't record till my kids go to bed. There's just it's absolutely impossible. It just doesn't work. So I'm able to record at 1030 Eastern. Well, it's 730 for Aaron. So therefore, his kids are still running around. So it's not easy on him. And then, there's you know, you and I have tried to do the late ones where it's more like 10 o'clock time, but it's like one o'clock in the morning for me. And I'm just I'm out of energy and it just doesn't
0: work. Well, that and sadly, most of the podcasters I know are either Central or East Coast. Yeah, so, it's even harder for me because yeah, trying to find people that I can sync up with because yeah, you said it's okay. I'm it's eight o'clock. I got the kids. You know, the kids are settling down. I'm ready for bed, dude. What are you talking about?
1: <laughs> right. Well, it's well for us. It's uh, you know, it's because we're all the cool kids are on the East Coast. Apparently. So
0: that's how it works. <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm on the West Coast because I'm not cool. <laughs> Dad, we're all old and have kids. So. Oh, that's that's the biggest thing right there. So again, if we can get you know, a little more on the personal side, uh, you've talked about you have kids. So apparently, you have a woman that's willing to be with you. Uh,
1: yes, <laughs> she made some bad life choices. That's
0: correct. I, I got one of those. So, how does your your wife feel about the whole podcasting? Does it interfere with your guys' personal time or your your life with you know, as a as a husband and father?
1: No, I don't. I don't think so tremendously. I mean, certainly it's it's it was an unusual thing for her to have to get used to because she's not a geek. She is completely a, uh, a, a muggle, if you will, in regard to the geek world. You know, she's, in, she's very normal. She's not interested in any of the same stuff we are. Uh, and so she doesn't get it, you right. know, but she, I enjoy it. You know, she knows it's mainly just me shooting the crap with my friends is what it really is. So the, the trade off is, you know, I don't watch football. I don't, you know, go play cards with the guys every week. So whereas some husbands might be wasting time sitting on the couch in their undershirt, picking their belly button, watching football. I'm instead in an office with the door closed talking about people in spandex, (laughs) you know? (laughs) So it's a bit of a trade off there. And, you know, she, she loves, she, you know, I'll do this. She'll be watching Netflix or talking with her mom or whatever she's enjoying. So each, you know, we each have our own individual things we're doing. Um, So, but, her, she, her interests do not cross over into this whatsoever. It, you know, if all of this superhero stuff burned down, she wouldn't care. <laughs> She's already told me, like, a number of times, like, you, you know, when you die, I'm just calling, because she knows the guy who owns the comic book right. shop I go to. She goes, you know, I'm just calling Ned and telling him to come pick up all this <laughs> crap, right? I'm like, yeah, I know.
0: <laughs> Which kinda of, I think that kind of, kind of answers, it, but it brings me to another question. Since being married to you, has your wife gotten any any geek in her at all at this point? Does she, does she enjoy any? Do you take her to the movies, or does she watch any of the shows or anything with you, or...? Um, I mean,
1: she's certainly, by osmosis, just picked up a lot of stuff. You know, she knows who Barry Allen is now. I mean, so that kind of thing. Like, so she would watch The Flash with us for the first season or so, with me and the kids. So She's picked up a lot, but... It really for the most part it's just tolerance she tolerates it more than she's really passionate about it she 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 loves her own stuff she loves crime procedural shows you know like your ncis's or law and order or she prefers she really leans towards the british stuff like stuff i don't even know what the hell it is she loves watching all the british crime shows she watches all that stuff so i mean she's got her own thing It's just not really anything that's she gets into that much
0: have you ever had her on a podcast with you have you recorded with her or that I would have to, I would have to
1: drug her and hide the microphone <laughs> so that she didn't know she was doing it. There's no, I have, believe me, believe me, I have tried. I have thought of every. I'm like, well, wait a minute. She likes this one thing. What if I get her? no? Okay. Well, how about if we do this thing that you do like? No. Okay. Well, you, you like this other thing that we get? No. Okay. Um, it's not happening. I, I cannot get her anywhere near a microphone. She flat out refuses. <laughs> She says, You know what? That is your thing. Go do it. Have fun. I don't want to do it. I'm
0: like, it. Okay.
1: <laughs> yep. No interest. Now my daughter's appeared on a, a couple episodes here and there. My stepson's done some stuff with me before. But uh not her. She won't go
2: near it.
0: Yeah, see my wife's a little more geeky guys I've got her on a couple of my shows. We've talked about Game of Thrones and mm. you know, something else. But yeah, she she didn't she's like, Well, I don't think I don't like the way I sound. You sound fine, honey, and I've talked to some other friends and then oh, she, I love that episode. She did a great job.
1: Yeah, so, yeah. And, of course, Alexis has done then, quite a bit there.
0: Yeah, Alexis wanted to follow her daddy's footsteps, and she wants to start her own podcast. And so yep. Alexis Speaks. And then she wanted to do one on Taylor Swift. She's doing Taylor hey, Swift well. songs. I'm like, oh, from what I hear, that can be kind of legitious. I don't know if you want <laughs> <But>, to. <laughs> but she's done school play recently and cheerleading and all this. So she hasn't had time recently. That And I was like, can I do a podcast today, daddy? Well, I'm dealing with your brother right now, honey. Give me some time and let me. So, again, she's trying to do some podcasting. Again, the same thing. The baby's kind of interfering with, with her doing her podcasting also. But, yeah, she's Sir. very much her father's daughter. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> Poor girl. She doesn't have a chance. <laughs> not,
0: not one at all. She's, she's doomed. She looks a bit like me. She's got my attitude. She's got my love for comics. So, yeah, she's, she's screwed. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I bet she'll find a way to make it work.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. So, was well, there anything else that you would like to tell the listening audience about, you know, about the irreal shag they may not know.
1: <laughs> I don't know if there's if anything. Your
0: lawyer doesn't mind you saying. Let's put it that way.
1: <laughs> right. Well, yeah. To, everything has to go through legal. Uh, <laughs> now, I don't know if there's anything that, that, you know, that they that, – uh, any deep secret to share. But I, I do think it's fair to say that podcasting has done some amazing things for me in bringing me joy. Because, you know, I had, I, I, you know, like all of us, we had friends. We all have friends. Well, you have one have friend. One. But anyway, uh, we all have groups of friends we hang out with. And as we get older, we don't see them as much because the family it just gets busy, right? Well, I used to have a, a core clique of friends I used to hang out with in person. And that's, you know, I still see some of them, but not as often. But podcasting allows me to talk to people on the other side of the world that I've never spoken to before. Or that we share common interests. We get to know each other online. I have made tons of you know, in 20 years ago, you would say, oh, if you make a friend on the internet, they're not a real friend. I've made real friends on the internet. In fact, because of my job, uh, I have to travel around the United States quite a bit. Uh, it, it's slowing down. I used to go to about 20 different states a year. Now I don't go to nearly as many. But I travel around a lot. And every time I go to a city, I make sure I can find a fellow online geek I've, I know online and go hang out. And have a cup of coffee, or have dinner, or go to a comic shop, or whatever. And I have made some lifelong friends doing this, and it all comes back to blogging and podcasting. Really, truthfully, uh, I, I feel very blessed to have all these new friends. So it's uh, it's been an incredibly rewarding experience.
0: Oh, that's, that's good to hear. That's I say that's a lot of me. I I had words two people I used to talk with comics about, but you know, we moved up, moved up, grown up, moved away, and so I don't really have any close friends that are comic geeks like. I am. There's people who mm-hmm. here and there, you know, they know I have like comics, so they'll ask me about it. I got this one guy I used to work with that I was his comic guru. If you had any questions, he'd come out, Aaron, hey, I got a question for you. <laughs> but even now, I don't work at the same place he's at. So. Mm. so that's one thing I love about podcasting. It gives me a chance to, even the ones I do on my own, I just get a chance to talk about comics. comics I, again, finding your joy. I talk about the comics I love. And even when the bad issues of them, I still love the comic itself. So. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. when I say when well, I do these things with people like you, and I got my GI Joe podcast where I always have guest hosts on there. I just love that chance. That's what whenever I get a chance to record with somebody, I love the interaction and talking with other people like this. So I definitely agree with you that yeah. At one time, I was one of those people who said, well, if they're an online friend, they're not really a friend. There's they're not you know if they got your friends list, but not really friends. Are people you know online? There's a difference, right. But podcasting, and I like, say the the, the Facebook uh, messaging that we're both on, the different podcasters, and the podcasting groups I've been on, and just talking with people like you and Pat Sampson, these other people I've talked with, uh, even though like, we've never met, I, I still feel usually like a friend because I listen to you almost on a weekly basis talk. Hmm. I've talked with you several times between my shows and your show. I mean, you know, we've talked, yep. and... I enjoy listening to you. I enjoy talking to you because, again, we've got a lot of the same interest, and you got you know, give me some different insight into things. So, podcasting's been, like you said, it's been a great thing to meet and get to know other people.
1: Yeah, I mean, you and I have spoken. You know, I'm just, I don't know the number of episodes we've done together. It's quite a bit. Let's just throw a number out there. You know, five, five, six episodes. Right. That's anywhere from you know. 10 to 12 hours we've spent talking. I mean, how many times have you, how many people do you know that you can say, well, yeah, I talked to this person, you know, 10 to 12 hours, and that doesn't even count. The after the show, before the show, you know, stuff where you're, you, you're not, you know, quote unquote on right. where you're not performing because, you know, podcasts are entertainment. So when you, when, when you're off the air, you're a lot more open. You're talking about family or work, whatever that's not bothering you, things like right. that. You be, become real friends. Now, talking about some of the folks you just mentioned and, and people that have been on your show, you know, like, uh, uh, Kyle Benning, you know, who's been involved in a lot of your shows. Yes. I, I've now met him twice, you know, uh, uh, Jared Albright. you know, he slept on my couch, you know, Michael Bailey and I have known each other for years. Ryan Daly, I, I met him last year. He spooned me. You know, I mean, it's with, there's all these different things. There were, these people got to know them. They've become real important parts of my life. Some parts maybe I want to forget, like the spooning. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's been it's been a wonderful chance to make all these friends. And if my job would ever send me to California, <laughs> I would probably get a chance to meet you face-to-face. But, unfortunately, California is one of the states we don't have any clients.
0: Uh, in. Not in a restraining order, but that's beside the point. Uh- <laughs> right
1: (laughs) it's against the entire state
2: (laughs) but no
0: seriously i want to thank you for unless unless there's something you want to say i want to thank you very much for being on my my premiere segment for behind the podcast
1: this has been great i I really appreciate because you're right we don't get a chance to talk the real story of what you know vh1 behind the music kind of stuff we don't get to talk about how the the sausage is made and how it changed our lives and you know, it's fun. I, I really dug this. is a neat idea. I look forward to hearing other folks' I get people to well.
0: talk to me. I'm, I'm going to do more of these. Uh, it depends on who I get to stay up late to, t- <laughs> to talk with me about their stuff. But, right. No, I appreciate <laughs> you breaking the ice with me on this. and don't uh, we'll you tell the people out there where they can find you if they want to hear more from you?
1: Well, if you foolishly wish to hear more about me uh, or more, more of my stuff, head over again to the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Uh, .com. And all of our shows are there. I'm on several of them and all the podcasting partners that I talked about earlier. So yeah, check it out. Fireandwaterpodcast.com or on Facebook, you know, or on Twitter. We're there as well.
0: I definitely recommend you checking out Shag's shows. Cause like I say I listen to most of his shows and I really enjoy him. He's got a great personality. You can hear he's a great guy. So definitely go and listen to the fire and water podcast and all of their auxiliary shows. <laughs>
1: Great. And as we arrange, Aaron, I'll make sure the check's in the mail.
0: Thank you. It better be here soon. (laughs) I haven't released this yet, so. (laughs) And I had a really great time talking with Shag. He's a great guy. I'm glad he stopped by the studio so we talk, uh, do this whole. I'm I'm really glad that my first guest for my Behind the Podcast was the Redeemable Shag. Having said that, as I was editing this, Again, I recorded that whole section a couple days ago, I'm uh, um, doing the editing. I was thanking Shag again on Facebook for taking time out of his schedule again to help me and talk with me. And he said he forgot to mention something when we did the Bind the Podcast section. He said he was going to recommend folks to be sure to name their podcast something that will be found via Google. He said that naming their podcast Fire and Water Podcast initially was a neat uh, was a real mistake. He said they should have always called it the Aquaman and Fire the Fire and Water Podcast. And that way people would find it when using Google. It was just a lesson that he learned that he wanted me to, to let you guys know about. Just a little heads up if you want to get into podcasting. Uh, thanks again, Shag. And now it's time for... Mail time! The News is here! Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I
2: want to You've got mail.
0: And I don't have any emails this time, but I do have one message. I had a Facebook message from a Jonathan Hames, a guy I became friends with, your mutual friend. Long story. We'll get into that now. But we met. I'd mentioned that I'm into podcasting. He asked what podcasts I do. I gave him my long list. And so he sent me a message, and this is what he said I listened to the first Armageddon one last night and really got a kick out of it. Based on what you said, at one point it looks like you and I got into comics around the same time, and in a similar manner. My gateway drug was Transformers before I found G.I. Joe. Armageddon 2001 has a special place for me as the first exposure to a lot of DC characters, because I'd only been collecting the Superman and Batman books as well as the JLE JLI. So it was really fun to hear you guys break it down. And I told him thank you, and then. That was on a Friday. On Monday, he said, It's G.I. Joe against Cobra and Destro, fighting to save the day. I'm becoming quite the fan of G.I. Joe Real American Headcast, pushing all the prop, proper nostalgic buttons. So thank you, Romans, for writing in and messaging me, Jonathan. Again, I love hearing from other people and their, their comic book origins, and I love hearing other people how they got into comics and what they think about my show. So thank you very much. And that's the only feedback I have for this episode, so we're going to close this out here. And I guess that's going to do it for this episode of Head Speaks. Uh, join us next month, as I said earlier, when we look at the next part of the Armageddon 2001 crossover. I believe that is the... I'm looking at my notes here. That's the Action Comics Annual, number three, which I talked with Mr. Michael Bailey about. And I may have another behind the podcast. Depends what I have time to, to do. We'll see. But thanks for listening. And and as I usually say, remember, Ed has spoken. Bye. You for listening to another fantastic episode of Head Speaks. Hope you enjoyed it. If so, let me know. Drop me an email to head at headspeaks.com or visit our home at head.headspeaks.com. You can also visit and talk with me on Facebook and Google, plus both under Head Speaks. You can also send an MP3 file with your thoughts, and I can play that on the air. And you can also get more of me on my other podcasts. Be sure to listen to Task Force X where monthly I look at John Ossinger's Suicide Squad and Paul Kuppenberg's Checkmate comics from the 80s and early 90s. Also over on G.I. Joe A Real American Headcast my podcasting friends Ryan Daly and Kyle Benning along with myself are looking at all of the G.I. Joe A Real American Hero comics and related titles from Marvel and IDW. All of my headcasts are available on iTunes and Stitcher along with the respective blogs and my main page at HeadSpeaks.com. All, all comments, thoughts, and opinions expressed on HeadSpeaks are owned wholly by the speaker of said comments and do not express the opinions of HeadSpeaks. Unless, of course, I'm the one making the comments. HeadSpeaks, Task Force X, and G.I. Joe, a real American headcast, are all part of the HeadCast family. So, join us next month for another wonderful episode of HeadSpeaks. Until then, I'll see you in the funny pages. Good night.